Welcome back to Deconstructing Damsels. This is the last episode for Halloween month 2020. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you have fun. I have had an absolute blast. I'm so appreciative that the people have come on. I mean, we've had authors. <laughs> we've had frequent guests now. It's been amazing. I am so lucky and so glad to be able to share this with you. I've mentioned this before, uh, Halloween month is my husband's favorite time of year, and I like making sure that he can have his little fun too, right? <laughs> this poor guy's been editing all this stuff too, so if anyone wants to give Sven, aka at creature underscore sh, any cookies or something, he totally deserves it. I am making him lasagna on November 1st because Halloween is going to be kind of chaotic a little bit, but I want to make sure the guy gets everything he absolutely deserves because he's been amazing because, again, there's been three Patreon episodes as well that he's had to work with a bit. Okay, so here's what's going to happen on this episode. We're going to have Sarah L. Blair, who has written Darkness Shifting and recently had Darkness Loves Company premiere about two weeks ago. A little bit less, but close enough. She and I are going to be covering It Happened One Bite by Lydia Dare. Woohoo! Woohoo! All right. <laughs> I just love this series. Sorry, guys. Actually, not sorry. Why would I be sorry? This is fun, right? Everybody should enjoy Halloween month. I also want to say a couple of things before we begin. One, please go vote if you're an American. Just, it matters. You know, like, I voted and I had to do it from an overseas ballot. That was a thing. One day, I will talk about that if we, when I read some political stuff. I will talk about that. Because, wow. Secondly, I want you to enjoy today. I want you to have fun. Halloween is amazing. It's it's a day of joy. That's that's all it should be. It should be an absolute day of joy, love, laughter, and amazingness. Three. To my patrons. <laughs> Kelly from Boobies and Newbies. D. Carrie. And Marlene. Boss. Love you all. Thank you so much for contributing and believing in me. I say this every time and I mean it more and more every time. Four. <laughs> it's a long thing. Sorry, guys. I've been working really hard on Instagram. If you go on, you will find that I've got so many reviews up. I'm covering some books. I've got some arcs and I'm putting little like halfway through markings and stuff like that so you guys can see where I'm going. I'm also going to be having more of the arcs on here. I'm going to have some episodes come out. I'm going to record them now. I'm telling you guys because December 1st, I'm not going to have a lot of time because I'm going to be in 20 hours a week language school, which is like four hours, five times a week. So I want you guys to kind of be able to read something new, maybe something that's not brand new that week, but something that kind of gets you interested. I, I think I'm on five. Yes. Look at me remembering what number I'm on. Woo! Thank you to Carrie under Carrie Bear Lib on Podchaser for reviewing and saying one of my favorite novel podcasts. That means a lot because I really do enjoy teaching you guys and letting you learn. 
about what makes me tick and maybe what makes yourself tick along the way as well. I hope you've enjoyed all the guests. And now you guys can finally listen to Sarah L. Blair and It Happened One Bite by Lydia Dare. And I love the way that rhymes. So on with the show. So we read It Happened One Bite by Lydia Dare, which is a duo writing team. And it's Regency Paranormal. (laughs) which is a pretty interesting (laughs) combination of things. I like it for that reason. Yeah. (laughs) I like mixing genres together. It's fun. It makes me happy as a person. (laughs) Um, and so we had Blair, which we can say Blair's name for this one. I, I recorded the other day with Courtney from, um, the culture domesticity that I can never say. Uh, I recorded it from her, and we were talking about uh, Rhiannon, and I was just like, you know what, I can't say her name, so we're going to call her Ree. <laughs> you said it fine just then. Was that not the right way? That's how I say it's it. It's the right way, but I can say it once, but I, I can't always say it twice. <laughs> and then there was, like, the first one had, like, Elspeth, and I was just like, we're calling her Ellie. Yeah. Because I was just like, my mouth is not <laughs> There was actually a discussion on Twitter. They were talking about, like, you know, saying names because they were saying how um, our good old Senator David Purdue couldn't say, you know. Yeah. And so I was like, all right. And I was like, I'm sorry. I really tried. Let's be clear. Really he tried. could I just say it, it, though. Oh, he could say yeah. it, but he wouldn't yeah, say it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but couldn't say it was his excuse. Uh-huh. Um, but we all know him, and he's kind of a dirtbag, so we're not that surprised. Yeah. <laughs> we remember his we remember his cousin the governor <laughs> real well Ugh. yeah anyway chicken man yeah but i'm bringing <laughs> it up because it's relevant because there was a thing going around twitter about how you know you should be able to say it and i'm like mm-hmm. i can try but like i have i'm the worst thing with names like i just they don't fall off my mouth i can read them fine but saying them yeah i'm terrible with names i can't remember them that's my problem i'm like it took me forever and like then Alec came in and I and I kept getting Alec and Aiden mixed up because they're yeah. both short A names. And I was like, yeah. who are all these people? I felt like I missed a lot because I didn't read the other ones first. And it does yeah. stand alone just fine. I just didn't know who everybody was. And that was very confusing. And she kept like name dropping all these names right off the bat. And I'm like, who are these people? Oh my gosh! Well, yeah, and it's, it's especially hard when you have the the like the parents cut co- like their mom's coven yes. and you have their coven. Yes, and you're like, wait, hold on. That's a lot of names. Y'all to all remember. have the same last name, so y'all gotta do something like and like like the only reason I remember Blair's mom name is because it was like Alpina mm. or Al- I, Alpina. I have no. I didn't I even know. know how to say that one. I didn't either. I just I just gave up and went. Piney. I don't know. I, like I told you. I just, like, give yeah. up in my head. And then it was, like... The mom. Like, Fiona. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I was just, like... I can say Fiona. Yeah. I can say this particular one. But the one thing I liked about this book was it kind of dropped the knowledge about the coven that you didn't get through any of the other coven books, really. Oh, yeah? You, you got some in um, uh, in Kate's book, but not, a, not as much as you got in this book. 
Because I didn't feel like I and got like, much at all in this book. <laughs> oh, no, but, like, well, you learn more, like, you learn more about, um, about how it was dysfunctional, I should say. Because mm. it talks a little bit about how, like, you know, how the lies and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you, which and coven are we talking about? The mom's coven or the... The, the, the mom's okay. coven, yeah, 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 sorry, yeah. No, you learn more about the mom's coven. See, even that's confusing. The... <laughs> Because they're all part of, like, yeah. they're all, like, the, the first daughters, mm-hmm. and they're all, like, that. So, like, in my head, I'm like, oh, no, the covens. I'm like, oh, no, we should call them the mom's coven, I guess. But, um, but like, the the before coven, um, you learned a lot about what was going wrong and how you can use power for the wrong way mm-hmm. that you didn't, that you don't really learn in the other books as much, even though, like, so, in this one, it goes, I can't remember, it's like, um. Blair and then uh, Rhiannon and then I can't remember who the other one is, um, but like they go in that order, and so it, it's like okay, but you're in the middle of a series because this is a mini like this is a series within a series because mm. you've got the Westerfield Wolves one and then you've got this one, mm. and like they kind of draw like the the way they were like positioned. I think these three books were dropped in like one two three order, so like they dropped like March like April and May or whatever. So it'd be easier to keep up with it mm-hmm. that way. But I'm not rich enough to keep buying all these books on Kindle. <laughs> yeah. So. Right. I went with the ones I had. Yeah. That's a um, lot. Because it's been like a decade. Yeah. There, there was a lot of backstory in it. But I think what I liked about it was I liked – the reason I want to read it is like um, I like Blair. Mm-hmm. I, I liked Blair as a character. I thought she was a pretty strong character. Like, not strong as in 1910s, I mean, like, the 2010s version, but, like, strong as in um, well-written. Yeah. She knew herself, I should say. Yeah, yeah. And she, like, stuck to it, too. Yeah, she, she wasn't she afraid wanted. of it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I liked it. And she... some romance. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I liked that her name was Blair. Okay. The, the E threw me off. <laughs> and then Sarah shows up, and I'm like, what? This is my name. Like... <laughs> I don't even. I did not even think about that. One. I'm like, why does the <laughs> evil girl have to be Sarah? We're not all bad. <laughs> well, you know. And normally, I have a problem because they leave the H off the end of Sarah sometimes, and that drives me nuts. So I go to Starbucks and I get my name Blair, and they put the E on it. I'm like, well, at least it's not as bad as Sarah with no H. <laughs> and then here I have to look at Blair with an E the whole time. <laughs> But Sarah with an H. Yeah. It's much better than Sarah with no H. I'll just say that. If there was a, if the main character was Sarah with no H, I probably wouldn't have read it. <laughs> You'd be like, can we do another one, please? Because mm-hmm. I don't think I can. Just, no. It's not allowed. But anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but. No, it's okay. I get it. Yeah. Like, I, I agree with you on that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm reading... I'm reading a book now. I can't remember the name. I think it's called like Oh Lucky or something. It's by Ellen Mint, and the main character is, is a Jessica. So I'm just kind mm-hmm. of like, it's hard. Do I like you or not yet? It's hard. Yeah. Because like I haven't read a lot of Jessicas in books. Like oddly enough, like most of them are named like you know, more like, well Sarah or you know like their their other names. Yeah. I'm just like, where's the Jessicas go? I was like, but I really won't want you to be beaten by people, so never mind. Right. Yeah, and I just found a cozy mystery that is the main character actually is named Sarah Blair. 
And so I was like, I gotta read what I get up to on this. And I, it's it's hard. It's really hard because I'm like through chapter two, and she's like, I don't like her very much. I'm like, is this how I act? I'm like, no, this is not me. You're like, this I'm is a made of character. Yeah, <laughs> this is. But she can't cook, and I can't cook either. So at least there's that. It's similar. I can do okay. But... Oh yeah, we should probably. We should probably introduce you. I forgot about that part, huh? Oh, yeah, that might be good. <laughs> okay, so so the, my guest is Sarah Blair, who's a writer, but I know her from previous living things. We were friends when in, I was back yeah, in the States. We were friends in the States. Yes. Yeah. And 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 I, I watched her kiddos. Yeah. Get bigger and bigger bigger and then I disappeared yeah <laughs> I stopped making life easier it's all right we're getting by <laughs> barely <laughs> it's like you left and the whole world fell apart I mean <laughs> that sounds about right yeah I, I saw what happened to my department so that sounds about <laughs> right it's all good yeah um but I was like I wanted you to come on because you're an author and you have a podcast and I know you could read this kind of stuff. So yeah, that's like perfect timing. Awesome. And considering what you write, it was like the perfect month to have you on. Yeah. I write urban fantasy. So it's really fun. <laughs> With what kind of koalas? Devil koalas are in my new book. <laughs> I know I had to like Which pick the called? fluffiest, most adorable thing. But then I picked I chose correctly because when I started doing research, I was like, I don't even know if koalas make a sound. Like, I didn't realize that they even, I thought they just didn't make sounds because you never hear koalas. But then I discovered the reason you never hear koalas make a sound, like on nature shows or anything, is they cut it out because they sound like demons. <laughs> so see, perfect. They are terrifying. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't mess with koalas. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, you know what? They can stay over here. I'm over here. No, there's a reason. I, <laughs> I, I'm really proud of myself that I, I chose correctly on that front because, ooh, it was either that or flesh melting curse. So, you know, koalas, but yeah. they're cuter than flesh melting curses, at least until they, Which makes it more terrifying. until they bite your face off. Yeah. <laughs> It's like Chucky, but animal. Mm -hmm. You think they're <laughs> cute until you're dead. <laughs> or you get, what is it? Chlamydia. Mm. I think that's what they have. Yeah. Koala chlamydia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except it doesn't really, that strain doesn't really affect you. Like I did all this research. It's yeah. ridiculous. Oh, I know. It's, I'm I just know way too much like, about koalas now. And my daughter just found this koala show on Netflix, and she's like, I love koalas, and she won't stop watching, and I'm like, you don't even know. No. It's freaking me it's out, like how though. I was when I found out about... Yeah. It's like how I found out how I was when I found out about dolphins. You're just like, they're not flipper? Mm-mm. Huh? Mm -mm. Huh? Yeah. Well, at least I made the right choice in liking orcas. There you go. <laughs> Killer whales, they are not. Yes. They're also less rapey. I mean, that's true. <laughs> it's 
it's kind of a, it's kind of like a thing if you're not like sexually assaulting everyone that <laughs> comes in your sphere. <laughs> I'm happy with you as an animal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but big cats are my things anyway. There so. you go. They're much more terrifying in other ways. <laughs> I feel like this book should have had like a shifter cat. Well, I kept waiting for the cat to be something. Right, because it's like Bruce. I kept waiting. For, I, I like that. I love the name Bruce for a cat. That's a great name. Oh, oh yeah, it's awesome. And I was just like, I was like, but but it's a familiar, right? And they're like, no. And I'm like, but why though? Yeah, like, why doesn't the cat mean? She made such a big effing deal. Can I curse? Yeah, she made such a big fucking oh, deal about this cat. Like. I mean, he, he's like, she, he's got to have his cat. He's got to have his cat. And then the cat kept growling. And I'm like, is it going to turn into something? Like, I thought it was Alec at first. Like, did he, like, turn into a cat and he got trapped in the thing? Like, who is this cat? Like, why is the cat so yeah. important? And then it just disappeared. And nothing. And it's like, I think it was important just because it was important to her baby brother. Which, granted, I, mean, I enjoyed because I like having cats show up randomly. In I mean, that's cute, like, but that's not a reason. More. Sorry. Yeah, I think there's more you could have put in there. Mm -mm. If you're gonna make, at least like, yeah, at least have like the cat attack somebody or something. Something make use out of the cat. If you're gonna have cat. I took a cat out of my sequel specifically because I couldn't find a reason for it. I was like, I'm gonna have one of my characters be a cat and like hang around. Do you know how difficult it is to keep up with an animal in a book? I had to take it. It was just ridiculous. I was like, I cannot keep up with this stupid cat. I'm not going to do it. And I took it out because I'm just, I couldn't, it just was dumb. I was like, there's no point in having a cat in this book. It doesn't serve a purpose. So I'm so like, yeah. Go. Edit round three. Bye. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I wanted to see more because like. That story is the only animal of the three books that I've been that I've read recently. That's the only one with an animal in it, and I was just like, "But, but, but, but." That's even I mean, there more was of a reason. In the last book, but yeah. Anyways, but there, like there was horses, but they were used as a function in the um, other one that I read with Courtney, and so I was just like, "Yeah, I wanted I wanted an animal that was a shifter or something, or like maybe like be a familiar yeah. somehow, some way, like like do some familiar -y things because." There's five witches. I mean, you know. And, like, n none of them are animal bonded. It's very yeah. Odd to me. I'm just now realizing that. Like, none of them are really... I, I, well, I can't remember Kate, because Kate's story's been so long, but... um, I can't... But... It definitely wasn't in the three that I read mm. this time. And and I don't remember hers at all, because... Mm. Yeah. I, I know, like, who ends up with what, but I don't remember everything. Wolf Next Door is really good, though. That one involves, like, one of the werewolves, um, one of Kate's werewolf people. Not her family, but one of her werewolf people. No, sorry, it's Benjamin's. Sorry, it's Benjamin's. It's um, Ellie's husband's line. And so there's a wolf next door, and her name is Prissa, and she goes by Prissy. <laughs> I just like that name for, like, she's not a werewolf either. She's just a human. I was like, I just like the name Prissy. Yeah. It, it's easy for me to say, too. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me think of Priscilla. Like, I would think somebody named Priscilla would be called Prissy. But, yeah. That's, that's an interesting... If you think about it, that's interesting when you think about, like, Presley. Mm. 
I'm just imagining her as a prissy, and I'm just going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, I love. I was I was re- uh, there's a podcast called What a Creep, mm-hmm. and and What a Creep they um they talk about different people and they talk about Elvis the other day, and they were talking about like Priscilla and I was just like, yeah, <laughs> that really sucks for her. <laughs> That was a crappy situation to be in. It was like Stockholm syndrome <laughs> But I bring it up because it's like, that's the name that, like, that's the, to me, that's the most common Priscilla you'd think of for the most part. Because it's just, it's like the name that's been out there for most of our lives. I always think of Priscilla Presley. Yeah, yeah. Did you know, I just watched the Dolly Parton um, documentary on Netflix. And I didn't. Um, apparently Elvis sang... I will always love you on the way out of the courthouse after they got divorced. Wow. Sing it to her on the way out. Also, my mom worked at the hospital in Memphis when uh, Lisa Maria was born. And she oh, said yeah. she, she studied medical records. So she had access to all the medical records. And she told me that Priscilla refused to take off her fake eyelashes for the delivery. <laughs> so there you go. Just a little bit of wow. Elvis lore there for you. <laughs> but it actually makes sense considering when, when mm-hmm. Lisa Marie was born. Yeah. That that was like definitely a time where you look like a Stepford wife and take those lashes off. Yeah. But, you know, they, I, if it's the time I'm thinking of, they used to just like knock you out. You just mm. go like the twilight sleep or whatever. Yeah. They just knock you out yeah, and you yeah. wake up with a baby. Because they were talking about that with a 90-day fiancé recently because she had to get general anesthesia and she was just knocked out. Mm -hmm. She had to get a Mm C-section, so they just knocked her out and popped the kid out. Because it was an emergency surgery, Mm -hmm. so they had to give it, so they had to do it really quickly. And so she put it in and she was just like, I I went to sleep and I had a baby in my belly and I woke up and there was a baby there. That's wild. I definitely remember both my kids being born. Anyways, (laughs) it's a whole other thing. But like, (laughs) trust me, this this podcast is known for tangents. Don't worry about. Um, but like, okay, so I like the fact that in this group of friends, like they each have their own role to play. Like outside of their coven, like as a group of friends, they all have their own little like like thing. And Blair is that. You don't mess with Blair. Mm-hmm. Blair will throw fire at you. <laughs> Which is interesting because Rhiannon throw is um, Weather Witch, so she does all like the water and the lightning and mm-hmm. stuff. So I wouldn't piss off this cup. Do you get more of that in the other books? Um, yeah, you get more, like each each one you learn more about like the particular coven character. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of it, and I think that's one of the reasons they did it this way, was there's a lot of lore that they couldn't just, like, put in one book. Mm-hmm. So, like, you see, um, like, in, in Rhee's book, you see her do, like, great, like, storms all around her and that kind of stuff. Like, she, like, and when she gets angry, her, um, her, she loses her ability to kind of focus all her powers and so, like, there'll be hail coming, like, in the middle of a room or lightning <laughs> strikes straight through or stuff like that. Kind of like how when Blair gets upset, she kind of loses her focus a bit, too. Mm-hmm. 
I was waiting for more from because she kept like playing I felt like there was a lot of setup in this book that I wanted more payoff if that makes sense yeah because it would because like well the, it actually does make sense yeah with the cat and the book... magic and all of that I was like when are they gonna do some magic like she just like holds a fireball in her hand okay but what like up yeah. it up a little bit like raise the stakes yeah well like it does it it sets it up for it really sets it up for Ree's book more mm. um because Ree's book is her and Matthew, so uh, the Earl of Bloodswell. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's like her. So it's like those two. So it kind of sets it up a little bit for that. Is that the next one? Yeah, that's the next one. Okay. Um, and you see, you see a lot more of the of the power being used, and like it typically focuses on like one person in the coven. So like, yeah. like Ree is Ree, you know, Ellie is Ellie, and so like it goes that way, but like. The other ones can, they can kind of like come and go throughout. Mm-hmm. And I think that this one didn't really have that that much because they were in like the lock. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have that. But like in other ones, you have them like kind of like shifting in and out all the time. Like in uh, Rhea's book, you know, Sorsha shows up a couple times. Um, she's staying with, with Kate. So like there's a little bit of a balance to that. Mm-hmm. But I think this one was just kind of like, it was a little bit um, removed from the Edinburgh type right. type scene. Yeah. I, which made it a, a bit different. Yeah. I liked that, but I also didn't because I felt like I was missing out on a lot. Because, you know, I haven't read the other ones yet. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I liked the setting. I liked the castle a lot. I thought it was really cool and very gothic and you know run down yeah that was really fun and i liked how they hired all the local help and you know i kind of feel like that would be fun you know in the future because like they'll have their little town and their little people and it'll be good you know and they can hang out in the castle eventually but the funny thing is it's not it's not her castle so yeah i guess her brother can hang out in the yeah, castle with the five sisters yeah mm. Yeah, <laughs> but like, um, because James has his property that abuts um, Matthew, so oh. they're more closer, I think, to the London side than the Edinburgh side. Yeah, that makes sense. But um, so in the book, <laughs> basically, their mom's coven, coven one, I guess I'll call him, coven one, basically locks a vampire in. A castle that's been owned by Blair's mom for many, or mom's family for many, many centuries. I guess I, I'm assuming centuries. I don't know. It's just my assumption. Um, and then they they lock him away, and suddenly they go. His uh, her brother, Blair's brother, inherits the castle where they've stuck him, and then they get to deal with all the who are you and why are you here when they finally find him. <laughs> but like I'm, I'm pretty sure it was pretty jarring to see someone like 20 years out of date with fashion yeah especially back then well I didn't mind that part so much as the part that and I feel like I don't want to be negative the whole time because there's a lot of stuff that I liked it was a fun read I mean I really enjoyed reading it um but I felt like they spent half the book trying to figure out who each other 
were. You know, like, I mean, she's this witch. She's supposed to be this, I don't know what a battle-born witch is, but... Oh, like they kept saying so, it over and over, and I was like, "I don't know what this is. Why is it important?" She well, she's battleborn because that's like her, that's her role in the coven. So like she's the one that would be like, I guess you compared to like to a Xena type character. Okay. So she'd be the one that would come in like she's the one that like walks in first and just like just like like decimates it enough that the other ones can can each do their. See, that would have been nice to thing. know because I didn't get the sense that she was like that at all. Yeah, I mean, like, you see it. In, uh, funny enough, you see it more in other books. Yeah. Um, in in Ellie's book, Tall, Dark, and Wolfish, um, she's like she threatens the the werewolf Ben Benjamin with like a lot of violence if he does anything wrong, and like she's she's like she's proven to him that she can do it already. Mm-hmm. So, um, but this is her book. Didn't she get to show that in her book? I think they, I think, I do think they missed out, the the rating team missed out a lot, because, like, the things with um, James and Patrick, I think, and and Sarah and Matthew, really, they could have showcased her a little bit more with that. Because mm-hmm. that, that would have been great to see her kind of, like... I wanted to see her, like, seriously kick some ass. Because, like, she could really do it, too, because, like, they, they talk about when they're on the when they're in the um, room doing that, like, mock fight yeah. with her and James, I was like, this would be a good time to maybe have someone show up. I know, right? Yeah. Like, everything was very convenient. All the plot points yeah, it's like, were very, very conveniently convenient. And she didn't even, like, kick his ass. He's like, I, why did he have to mansplain to her about how to fight? She should have, like, totally beat the hell out of him. I didn't like that either. Like, that that was one thing that kind of pissed me off because I'm like, dude, she's been raised to do this. And she's got, like, I guess, genetic memory for, like, like thousands what? of years, basically. I never yeah. got a sense of that at all. Cause I, and because, like, um, if you if you caught it with Matthew, Matthew got his ring. Yes. From, from her coven, but, right. you know, like, 600 years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. So... That was cool. I, did, I didn't quite understand why I, I didn't quite understand why um, Matthew didn't explain it to him either. Like say like yo, yo, you don't want to fuck with these people, right? <laughs> like, like, like they can they can handle this. Don't want to fuck with these people. Mm-hmm. And then I felt like the climax is a little bit lower. Like the the climactic scene thing was like a little bit too. Too convenient with the fight. Yeah. Just... And I was mad I didn't get to see what happened to Sarah. I mean... <laughs> Apparently you get to die off screen. Sorry. <laughs> and, like, how does she... I Like, the, the, fi- the moment where you finally get to, like, see Blair, like, really use her powers. And she's, like, makes this fire whirlwind. And they spend more time explaining how she did it. And you're like, okay, that's great. And then Sarah just, like, walks through it. She's like, ha I can just walk through it. It's no big deal. And you're like, and you're like that's it? how do you walk through fire? I mean, I get some of it because, like, they had the ring, so that yeah. makes sense. But, like, it should make them immune to, to that, I wouldn't think. I just, 
And so I'm like, well, if if she does, like, this thing that's supposed to be, like, her super awesome superpower, and then the vampire just, like, walks through it, like, what kind of a witch is she? She's not a very good one. I was very disappointed. I'm For that, I'm actually a little, wondering a little bit if it's because it was made by her coven, so it wouldn't be as easy to... Because the rings were made by her, or breasts by her coven. So I'm wondering... Yeah, but did Sarah even know if, that? I don't know if she knew that, but I'm wondering if the coven's rings just didn't have the power to... Yeah, but if Sarah doesn't know that, then hurt the, the coven. Point? Yeah, no, no, no. What I mean is I'm just wondering if the if the ring itself, like if the old coven, like the old and the new coven's um, powers kind of cancel each other out a bit. Right, but Sarah doesn't so, know that, yeah. though, so she wouldn't have walked through. She would have been too afraid. Oh, no, no, I'm just yeah, thinking but, yeah. about the logistics of her being able to walk through. But, yeah, like, I mean, that... Like, that's the important part. Because unless she knows so, that, then, you know, or if, if she's just, like, so arrogant, I guess, to think that she could, and then, yeah. you know, but, like, as a character trait, you know, how does, like... That's the kind of thing. That's the kind of thing that I think about when I write. Like I think about everything. Like maybe in too much detail. Yeah. But no, you know, it. I'm like, okay, if she doesn't know that, then she needs to be more afraid, or unless she's like right. just super arrogant and it doesn't matter. But then in that case, Blair should have tried to figure it out and been like, well, this was supposed to really work, and why didn't it? And then she could have had, like, a crisis of, like, well, maybe I'm not as strong as I thought I was, or maybe I'm not, you know. Like, there's just, like, so much character stuff that I missed out on that I really wanted more of for all of them. (laughs) I think, like, I think that Blair was misused a bit. Mm -hmm. Um but just just by who she was versus the story they gave her mm-hmm. because i think i think the james thing didn't work out the way it was supposed to something fell off my husband's computer and i don't know why it's not working i mean it's working but i don't know why some things are not working oh moving on um it's his little usb hub oh i'll call him in here in a little bit um it means the mouse doesn't work cuz he's got that strip oh, of usb yeah. cord and yeah yeah um but so I think that they should have done a little bit more with that. But one thing I really liked about the book was I kind of liked James being out of sync with time. Mm-hmm. Because I think that that's something that, like, like it, it wasn't that way with Matthew later on. Because Matthew had never been, like, he kind of, like, was not taken away that way and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And so... But I think it really helped to do it that way. But, like, and I, I like the fact that, like I said, he was out of step with time. Because the Georgian period and the Regen- Regency period are huge differences oh, yeah. in so many things. Yeah. So to be out of step, that'd be, like, someone, like, being out of step from, like, the 19, say, 34 and suddenly being thrown in, like, 1985. Yes. Like, there's so many advancements all of a sudden. You don't know what to do with them. Right. And there's so many new political powers and everything going right. on. That you're, like, missing a lot of the cultural and the political. Yeah, yeah. And, And like, fashion and, you know. I mean, because you look at, like, even just, like, 20 years from the 80s to the 2010s, you know. And it's like nobody would wear their hair like that. It just looks 
ridiculous. <laughs> so I can under I yeah. liked that, you know, she's like, Are you going to a costume ball? Like what is this? Are we like old fashioned yeah. now? You know. Yeah. I like, liked that. Like when did wigs come back? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't remember them. Yeah. It's a very different And place. then I like the I like the fact that it was the ring that woke him up. Mm-hmm. Like I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. And and I was just like, Oh, that explains some things. Yeah. And if she, because like, I actually really like James in general. I so. do too. Let's talk about James. He's hot. <laughs> he was hot, and he was competent, right? He was a little mansplaining sometimes, yeah. but he was. But but again, he was from the Georgian era, right? Mm-hmm. And so the Regency era. So there was a lot of of lost cultural push, right? A little bit more forward, because I mean, there wasn't like that huge. It's not like women suddenly had rights, but. There was a huge push in in things that had gone on by that mm-hmm. point, because there were more there were more women of, of aristocracy and gentry that were willing to to flaunt the rules more and more. Yes, and and like and then Victoria came into power and that all went. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I liked that you know he was a gentleman. <sighs> we need more of those. And always was consent. Mm-hmm. Until he owned her. Yeah. Yeah. But, whatever. Yeah. That was... That totally took... I was waiting. I was like, yes, they're finally going to do it! And then... And then... <laughs> like, why did you have... Out of all of the words in the English language that you could have chosen... <laughs> right? Why that one? There are so many words to choose from. And then the, the, her pleasure swamped him. Like, out of, those two really, just. (laughs) And then, and then after that, like, I know, like, in the, in the, like, text, contextually, it wasn't, is like, her pleasure swamped him, or whatever. Yeah. But then all I could think of the rest of the time was like, oh, he's going to a visit to her pleasure swamp. (laughs) And that's all I can think about see, I'm just imagining... I'm just imagining as his dick as like you know, like the the swamp thing now, Ugh. <laughs> right? Which is a whole nother. Like, is he like this creepy creature from the Black Lagoon, like going for a swim in her pleasure swamp? <laughs> oh my goodness! Really I'm, just, I'm just imagining that. <laughs> just, it's like who who read that? It's two writers. It's two authors. Did they edit each other's work? Did one of them not notice that? Well, yeah. Well, see, what happened is I was reading this. Um, one of them is she goes by Ava Stone. Um, at one point, I think she's known as Joni Peterson, but Ava Stone did the history, and then Tammy Faulkner did the um, paranormal, like the romance side. So like they would they would go back and forth on the chapters and yeah. then they would fill in I guess and and I was just like but it said in the back of the book that they each take turns writing fifteen hundred words and then they mm-hmm. send it to the next person and they edit what they did previously and then write the next fifteen hundreds and then tr- keep trading back and forth I'm like did nobody notice yeah. this and then they have the publisher this is a traditionally published book right. Yeah, but the only thing I can think of is, is um, this was made in, like, 2010. And they were, like, I think they were also still, like, uh, el- eliminating some of the 
purple purple prose from <laughs> some from some of the things. Because like I mean now you don't really find as much purple prose as you did even back then. Because I was reading a lot of historical romance back then too, and I was like, but swamp. I know. Oh. I know. I think it also helps the fact that we're from Georgia, so we've actually seen like, <laughs> big ass swamp. We know what swamps are. <laughs> Anyone that's ever gone to the Okefenokee oh, swamp God, knows just it. how how gross a swamp can really be. <laughs> well, it doesn't even help that, like, in the summer, every time in the summer, I get swamp yeah, ass, right? and it's like that is not what I want to associate <laughs> with sex. That is not sexy. Well, I mean, to be fair, the dragonflies are probably the size of a dick. I mean, so, ugh. so <laughs> there are there are those dragonflies that are like. Well, one of the authors—they're from North Carolina. They should know. It's not yeah. that different. They should know what a swamp is. Hello, Charleston. <laughs> well, Charleston's in South Carolina, though. Yeah. I mean, North Carolina's got like Wilmington. Yeah. And Cape Hatteras. And it's hot and humid in the summer. So you definitely get swamp ass Mm. if you go outside. Anyways. (laughs) Sorry. Bring bring (laughs) the level of your podcast down. (laughs) It's okay. Um, But like... (laughs) To reality. (laughs) This is a romance. It's not supposed to be realistic. I always forget that. (laughs) Yeah... I don't really, like, I I read a lot of other, well, I don't, not right now, but, like, I read a lot of other fiction, and, um, like, the one thing I do like about romance more than some of the other genres is the fact that, like, the characters are all more interconnected, I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, like, upon the heart, like, they're, they're, like, they're bonds, like, they're community bonds with each other. Because, like, sometimes when you read some of the fantasy series and you're just, like, there are 15,000 characters. How am I supposed to remember who these people are? Mm-hmm. Okay. You got, you got like 10 people I can remember. After that, I won't remember these people. Right? <laughs> um, one thing I'm curious to know is what were your thoughts on um, how long it took them to figure stuff out? I think that in some ways it made sense for Blair to take a little while to figure out. Because that was a whole bombshell that her mom has basically lied about having someone in the basement for 20 years and then died. <laughs> I mean, like, like talking about realism. I mean. Like, the dude was in the basement for 20 years and no one ever told her. when, And the mom was pregnant with Blair at the time. Yeah. So. But she should. I felt like she should have at least known room. what a vampire was. But I don't think so. Because I got the feeling that, like, in Edinburgh, there, there weren't that many. Because, like, I know that in the in, in Ellie's book, um, like, Ellie was a witch and everything, but, like, they didn't really know anything about the werewolves either. But if... She, like, I got the feeling, I got the feeling that, like, they knew about, like, Celtic ones, but I don't, I got the feeling they may not have known about, like, the the vampire, or I don't think they were, like, they had had really any exposure to them in, in the time that they had locked up James. But if she's a battle-born witch, shouldn't she know how to kill everything? Shouldn't she like yeah, but be remember aware? Her, but remember, but remember, her mom died when she was like ten. So it's kind of so like anything that her mom would have wanted to tell her was kind of like taken out of the equation. And then if you remember that um, uh, Fiona, uh, Kate's mom, um, Katrina, Katrina's mom, um, she 
basically poisoned the covenant against you, against each other in some ways. So there was a lot of fractured knowledge. I got the feeling of. Well, that makes like they sense. Did, they couldn't trust her. They, they couldn't trust her after that. I wish they would have so, said like, that was though. A, well, I got like I I know some of it came out in Kate's book and some of it came out in Ellie's mm. book, um, and I think that like this is more of the repercussions of that. Mm-hmm. Of, of what was revealed, but then, like, you know, in the beginning of this book, they talk a lot more about the, their mom's coven, and how, uh, like, they talk about how, like, Fiona was doing this, that, and the other, and Fiona was Kate's mom, and you can definitely see the, the direction of where things were going, mm-hmm. because then if you read, like, a little bit more, and you find out more from, um, her brother, not her brother, um, uh, Sorsha's brother, Wallace, mm-hmm. You find out more that, like, there was a lot more going on that no one knew about. And, like, they didn't think to ask Wallace because he wasn't part of the coven. Mm-hmm. Like, guys weren't part of the coven, so what would they know? Yeah, it cracked and me so up how there's... it cracked me up how they're like, nobody knows anything, but we all know everything. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, why didn't we ask Wallace? Well, it's supposed to be a secret, but it's like the worst kept secret mm-hmm. that everybody like that, knows. That, like that room. <laughs> Yeah, like that room that, that suddenly appeared out of nowhere for <laughs> yeah. for Sorsha. Yeah. And she was like, excuse me? Yeah. Wait a minute. I'm like 16 years old, 17 years old, and nobody's told me about this. Yeah. Yeah, they need this, this bless them, this coven needs to get their shit together. I think that, like, I think having the, I think fracturing the coven the way their, their mom's coven yeah. did really lost a lot of knowledge they probably would have gained otherwise. Yeah. Because, like, I'm sure that, like, Rhee could have, and well, Rhee's mom and them could have done that. And then if you notice, I said that when one member of the coven dies, the other ones kind of, like, die around the same right. time. So I don't remember. I'm I'm assuming it was probably Sorsha's mom that probably died first because I think she died, like, when Sorsha was, like, really little. Um and so when she died, everyone else kind of died, and they had so many lies between them at that point, and so many secrets mm-hmm. that they they didn't function as a community for their kids to learn from either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can't if you can't trust your like because um Kate's mom was a seer, and so when the person sees the future and she alters to fit what she wants, mm-hmm. do you really know what choices you've made and haven't made? And that comes up in um. Ellie's book too, and the Wolfish book. It comes up a lot there too, because it's like you find out, like you slowly are finding out throughout the series what what um, Fiona had done to kind of like destroy the coven. Mm. It's, it's it's like it's a series kind of um, mystery yeah. almost instead of like a book mystery. So drop a sentence in there. It's like how unfortunate that this coven had fallen apart so badly, and we don't know anything. And we have to like work extra hard. <laughs> to figure this stuff yeah. out like it's an easy fix anyways i th- i th- i think with blair that was the intention when she was talking about how yeah she didn't know about james i think that was the whole point was like right and then she found like a huge thing of money too mm-hmm. after she'd been living basically in poverty for all her life mm-hmm. i think that was kind of like that was the the connection to that yeah because she she didn't know and she was like what do you mean my mom kept secrets what do you mean the coven kept secrets yeah you don't you don't keep secrets from Coven. You tell them everything. Like, I mean, not everything, but everything that relates to their, their basically their job, their right. destiny. Yeah, yeah. So, because like I said, like I can tell you that those two 
particularly because it's been a while since I read the other books. Because I got these from the library in like 2010. I got them from the Gwinnett County <laughs> Library. <laughs> and that's actually, I, I said this before, but this is how I found Tessa Dare. Because I got right. Tessa Dare confused with Lydia Dare. Yeah. So it was like, because they had the same type covers because it was the same time period that some of these things were well, being Well, that's written. what I told, I was like, I'm reading, I told my friend, I was like, I'm reading this book by Tessa Dare. I'm like, no, it's not Tessa Dare. It's somebody else. Who is it? And then I was like, oh, Lydia, <laughs> Lydia Dare. Yeah. It's two people and <laughs> co-writers, but yeah. Yeah, but like it, it's easy to get the names confused, the, mm-hmm. the authors, because like, like I said, the front of the books look very similar to some of the other books that were out at that time. Yeah. Um, Speaking of the, especially like if you look at the Stud series, oh, and stuff. yeah, like yeah. the cover, does it look like the guy from Supernatural? I, maybe. It looks a lot like the guy from Supernatural to me. Every time I look at it, I'm like, mm. let's see, the one brother. Is it Dean? Is that his name? I. Jensen Eccles. Mm-hmm. I only know because I met him once when he was in town. Nice. Yeah, he does look like Dean. It looks almost exactly like Jensen Eccles. Like, like, did they just... I don't know. Photoshop? Right? <laughs> like, really? <laughs> looks just like him. I mean, I ain't mad about it. Yeah. That's not what I imagined James to look like at all. No, I was imagining him to be much, like... Um wiry more like matthew the guy that plays matthew on the discovery of witches can't remember his name oh i haven't seen that one it's good i I like the show better than the book but that's a whole other thing (laughs) i have historical issues with the book how does how does a girl who is a historian and a well-accomplished equestrian writer not know what a pommel saddle looks like, like a side saddle. Even I know that. Right? I've no like I've ridden a horse maybe twice in my entire life and I know what a side saddle looks like. But when she describes it in the book, she's like there was a weird saddle with like a pommel thingy on it and it was very confusing to me, this accomplished equestrian writer. I'm like, really? It's like anyone that has ever seen And you're a historian? Well, anyone that's ever seen, um, oh, what is it? <sighs> Gone with the Wind. Anyone that's ever seen Gone with the Wind should know what a side saddle looks like <sighs> because it's kind of like one of those things. Ugh. Oh, yeah, Matthew Good. Yeah, yeah Matthew I can see him much more as Matthew mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. I had to look it up for a second. I was like, yeah, no, I can see like, Definitely, like, that's what I was seeing more. Dashing yeah. and wiry and dark-headed and blue eyes and... Yeah. Well, I've always had a thing for Matthew Good anyway. Mm-hmm. He pretty. Mm-hmm. Especially when he's got on glasses. Like, Oof. Glasses. Oh, stop. <laughs> yeah, that's James. There's a glare there. That's how I envision James. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean by, like, more wiry. Mm-hmm. He's not as bulked right. up, like, as Jensen Eccles is. Mm-hmm. Jensen Eccles is very hot. but no. I liked that she had to magic his clothes bigger. That was cute. I know. Because I was, like, I was just imagining it almost like the Hulk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like with the leg yeah. like that far too. That was adorable. Yeah, and then Brannock was like, she does it for my clothes. It saves on money. <laughs> you're like, oh. <laughs> you're so cute. She's like, we poor, so I can be magical. And yeah, I right. Save us money. She just magics everything. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh. 
and it's, like, it's not even personal gain because like if the boys are not dressed right she's gonna get comments when she goes out on the street right? then everyone will know something's up exactly if, if people know something up they get nosy and if they get nosy there's too much knowledge they don't need to have yes see this makes sense to me especially if like she's got a magic to close down for little brother from older brother who's like 10 15 years yeah. difference yeah at that point like we can't wait for him to grow into those we're just gonna have to we, we gotta do yeah. something because like none of the other one's family would fit either mm-hmm. so they couldn't use hand-me-downs from the other family with men mm-hmm. either because they're also much older at that point right they're all like around aiden's age not yeah <laughs> yeah so how how old was Brannock? was he he was eight right yeah, somewhere around So how there, did yeah. she have a son if she died 10 years ago? I think well, it must have been about, like, eight years then. But, like, it was, like, she died, like, I think around his his. Did she die when birth. he was born? I, that's the feeling I got. Like, she died, like, either right then or, like, right after. That's what I figured. But then it, like, made it, I don't know, the way, the timeline didn't seem to add up for me. But I'm very picky about that thing, that kind of thing. I'm super nitpicky about details like that. I've spent so much time and energy trying to figure out my timeline and like writing down dates and being very specific about things like that just just to keep them in line because I was raised on the X-Files where you know Chris Carter just does what he wants and changes things whenever he wants just to be convenient I'm like I can't handle it it's not right just no I never want to do that to my readers not ever if I can help it I'll try my hardest. I see. I'm flexible with times because I'm like, I don't remember what happened. I don't remember the timeline from four chapters ago, so I'll never notice. Yeah, I noticed that. Like, I have, like, a, I have vague timelines, but, but like, not, not huge. Yeah, my, I, I guess, like, my feeling is if you don't know or it doesn't matter, don't put it in there. Just be vague about it. Don't say ten years when you mean eight. <laughs> well, I was guessing, like, ten. Yeah. Well, like, that's, I what, I, that's what I thought, I knew she was. I knew she was around 10. I couldn't remember if she was, like, 12 or 10 or whatever. I knew, like, she was basically the mom now. Yeah. She's basically Brennick's mom. Yeah. Because her father was worthless anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's just my personal pet peeve. <laughs> Speaking of personal pet peeves, Chapter 4, when she pops food into her mouth. <laughs> Can't stand that drives me crazy the word because they use it in like every Uh, that phrase is in like almost every romance every ya book it's so overused everybody pops food into their mouth i can't stand it It makes me nuts hate it and i don't mind it because i am i pop food in my mouth as i walk by all the time (laughs) just because you go to the kitchen because you do it doesn't mean that it has to be in every single book no, but I to me it's yeah. an, it's an easy it's an easy thing for me to realize because like I do that all the time I'll I'll go by and like grab like a cracker or something and pop it in my mouth as I walk back out of the kitchen because I'll go to the kitchen and forget what I came for and I'm like oh food and then I see the food and then I'm like oh no I came back for this thing instead popping <laughs> is for popcorn and toast toast pops out of the toaster popcorn pops in the microwave don't well pop see then I can pop food all I want because I can't pop popcorn. You're allowed. When you have Just an don't allergy, tell me about it. <laughs> when you when you when you are allergic to corn, you have to pop other oh things instead. That's a difficult thing yeah. to be allergic to in the states. 
it was hard. Mm-hmm. I had to make my foods all the time. That's why I was glad I worked for the grocery store because I was like, oh, look, I can afford to buy some of this stuff oh, and make it better. I'm so sorry. Because, like, I – and I, I didn't get allergic to it until I was in, like, in my 30s. Mm. That was one of my later – that was, like, my, my late life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I, I, I liked my white cheddar popcorn and, and oh. I liked my Cheetos and I liked all – I liked my Doritos and I liked my, like, my um, taco shells and stuff like oh, that. Oh, man. And – it wasn't until, like, a year before I left I started making, like, the hard flour tortilla shells for tacos. Before that, they were always the corn. Mm. And it made going to Mexican restaurants very difficult. I can imagine. I'm sorry. Because, like, I, I, could, I, could, I would eat them even if I shouldn't. I would eat the chips sometimes because I'm just like, I'm hungry. I want to wait for my food. Yeah. But, yeah, like, and over here, like, over here me- everything Mexican here has corn, and mm. I'm like, have you ever been to Mexico? Yeah, no, they haven't. <laughs> I think I think, you're, I think you're confusing Tex-Mex with Mex, and you're confusing Tex-Mex with like Taco Bell. Yeah, because <laughs> like because a lot of the restaurants like where we're from, you've you've got more like almost like a Tex-Mex versus more of a like real Mexican. Like they don't have like the the like long standing like mole and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, but I'm just like the best place by the way so the best place i ever found to get like a taco is by the dollar general in in larnsville Mm -hmm. because they've got like it's an actual like it's owned by by real mexicans and they like make their chorizo like like they make real chorizo tacos nice yeah and they also had flour tacos so i could ask for flour it's like i love you yeah my friend from mexico we were talking the other day she's like yeah we just have tortillas and meat and sauce and we just call everything a different name but all it is is tortillas and meat and sauce <laughs> she's like it's just it's a different just name differently. depending on where the sauce yeah. is it's on the outside <laughs> or the inside pretty much basically that's why i used to get confused but i was like but is an enchilada a burrito it looks like a burrito it tastes like a burrito just from my from my experience of eating in the mexican restaurants in georgia yeah <laughs> I don't know about I don't know about Mexico. It's been a while. I was like eight the last time I was there, so it's been a minute. Yeah. But we went to Acapulco that time. Nice. Yeah, my godmother ended up getting a, a like one of those like um, wormy things that get in your skin and like burrow. Oh no. Yeah, because she went in the water she wasn't supposed to. Oh, it happens. Yikes. I was like, and it took her a little while to go get it taken out. She came back to the U.S. and was like, something's wrong. And I was like, uh-huh. Oh. I was like eight or, I think I was like, yeah, I think I was like eight. That's like the stuff this of my like nightmares. Back in like, yeah. I was not, I was like, <sighs> it's like when we went on the Disney cruise and they were like, you can go in the water and pet the dolphins. Okay, I'm down with that. They're like, oh, we have pet barracudas. I said, I'm not down with that. You can't have a pet barracuda. It would just go, it would just like go in and out of the fencing, basically. It's like, that's not your pet barracuda. That's a random barracuda going through the chicken wire. Like, that's not your pet. Like, I was like, I think I was like, I think it was actually the same summer. And I was like, that's not a pet. That's something that's going to eat me for dinner, but that's not a pet. Oh, man. <laughs> Yikes. It was a very interesting, it was a very interesting summer. Yeah, sounds like it. (laughs) (laughs) 
I had interesting adventures. I was I was a strange child. My godmother wanted to send me to a bunch of places, so we went to a bunch of places. Well, there you go. Yeah, we went to Hawaii, the cruise, and Mexico in the same summer. Nice. Like, in a row, too, basically, because she had, like, this was back when timeshares were basically a thing. So she allotted her timeshare time, so we went to both those places, because they were already basically paid for. And then we went to the cruise in between. Nice. This was during the big, the big red boat, not Disney cruises, but the big red boat time. Yeah. Which was like a love cruise boat, apparently, at some point. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I sidetracked myself. Sorry. It's all good. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) They're used to this if they listen to my podcast. This is not abnormal. Um, but like I, I like the fact that each of the each of the like women had their own personalities. They weren't inserts. Mm-hmm. Like like you know like they they were clear, like Sorsha with the vines and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like she would like they had very clear knowledge of what they could do. Right. Well, some of them, not all of them. Yeah. Yeah. They had enough knowledge. I mean, enough knowledge to be taken over by the vampires, anyway. <laughs> I liked that, <laughs> you know, like, we mentioned it briefly before, but I liked that Blair knew what she wanted, and that she, you know, stuck with that. And that she wasn't afraid to tell him no because of it. Um, she knew she was valuable more than what... Yeah. She wasn't chattel for the men in her family. Right. Yeah. But it also made me sad that she felt like she could never be with anybody because of it. I mean, I know that's just how society was. Or how, you know, well, she she thought it was or whatever. Like, you know, but. Or is. Well, yeah. Really. I mean, like, it still is that way in many ways. Yeah. Because you know how, like, there's still enough of the older patriarchal ideas about women being more yeah <laughs> and less less independent and less i mean like we see it every day when you look at the at the political ads and stuff like that right, right. like it's just bounced around that you're not da 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 enough you are too da 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 enough yeah well i mean i was listening to michelle and barack obama and on her new podcast i guess it's not that new anymore but um you know they talked about they're like well in the 80s we told girls that they could have everything and do everything and we raised a whole generation of women on the fact that you can be strong and do anything you want except we just didn't make it possible for that to happen so now we have all these women who think they're supposed to be able to do everything and you can't mm-hmm. it's like i call it the, it's like the working girls yes like it's because like whenever someone says like that's the first thing i always think of as working girl because like she was supposed to be a secretary, and she was smart enough to do her research before. So she knew what she wanted. She knew how she was going to do it. And then she got, like, blocked by so many different ways. And she eventually got her way, but, like, yeah, it's, it's like, one in a million chance of you getting that opportunity now. Right. And it's like, you know, and yeah. It, and with the, with, with, the, with the current global situation and crisis going on right now, like, it's even more locked out for us, too. Yeah. Because, like, women are the ones losing their jobs more than men. Right. Because we have to take care of everybody. Because we don't make the same amount of money. 
and and I was gonna say and our also like our opportunities are lowered so we're not gonna be the CEO right we're gonna be the secretary yeah you're gonna lock us out of those positions to hold that high power yeah because it's like if you look at so many corps they don't have any women on them mm-hmm. like any like any women that have the ability to do their job like I don't mean just like you know hiring their wife mm-hmm. and I, that's not to, to denigrate the wife just sometimes the wife doesn't have the experience they're just doing it because they're doing a favor for the wife right yeah. or the husband or whatever I'm specifically talking about this one because it's like we see it in our current political system mm-hmm. like in this in this case I mean America not so much in Germany because Germany I it's a long complicated system but over there like you see it a lot you see where you know like women are given the chance to move up when they are the right kind of woman right mm-hmm. like the one that that can make the men feel superior and smart and back them up mm-hmm. and so i can see where blair would be much more interested in being who she was than being that person mm-hmm. be- because she saw her mom give up a lot of stuff to be with her dad mm-hmm. And he was a jackass, and it ended up right? Costing her mom. Mm-hmm. And it ended up costing her mom everything, basically, mm-hmm. including her life at some point. Because she couldn't hold the entire world up on her shoulders when there was someone there that should have been doing it, too. Yeah, exactly. And that's, I think that's actually a common theme in the book. Um, not necessarily that, but seeing the, the dysfunction or the reaction to loss and how it, like, makes everything more difficult. Like, in Ellie's book, she was, um, she didn't have a father, so she was like, you know, the, the bastard daughter, and the, the city knew, of, the town area knew about it, and they made comments about it, but yet they kept coming to her for help, mm-hmm. right? And then you had, of course, her losing her mother, and having to, like, try and shoulder everything when there, there were people around that could have been helping, and then, you know, you saw it in Ree's book when, you know, much, actually much like um, Blair, when her mom died, she ended up try- taking care of her sister because their their father kind of shut down after the loss. So, and so, you know, she was like 20 raising her 17-year-old daughter, I mean, her 17-year-old sister. I call her daughter because, like, when her mom died, it was, she had to take over. Mm-hmm. Like, no one else was doing the job. Yeah. Everyone else was absentee or removed themselves from the situation entirely. So it kind of left her a little bit of, of no help. And I think that's one reason why the girls are a stronger coven than their mothers were. Because they, they bonded over the trauma. They didn't... Like, they have their issues and they have their fights, but they bonded over the trauma. That makes sense. And said, okay, this is not okay. So what do you need? You know, we'll stand beside you. What do you need? Because, like... Some of them are wealthy, some of them are not. Some of them are gentry, some of them are not. Like, there's there's levels of class and, um, mm-hmm. you know, like, in, the, in that classing and also, like, the, like, where you are in the hierarchical society of the, of the gentry and not. And so I think that really helps, too. Because, mm-hmm. like, in this book, they talk about Alec. And Alec is Benjamin's best friend from Ellie's book. Benjamin is, is her husband. Mm-hmm. And so you find out more of them more in Rihanna's, Rihanna's book. But um, 
Alec has was in love with Kate, but he was also their friend before that too. Because like he didn't realize they were a coven, but he knew the girls. Because they grew up in the same area, you know the people. Mm-hmm. And so he, he was aware of them and so that was why he came to when when Kate was like he was like, Okay, I I'm in love with her, she's married to someone else, but I still love her. So it was that element, but there was also the element of okay, but these are like if not my friends, these are people I know and I've protected and mm-hmm. I will continue to, to take care of because they're, they're important yeah. to me. What happened with Alec and, cause, and Kate and like all that? Cause I felt like I missed a whole lot there. Well, so some of it came out in Ellie's book and tall, Jack and Wolfish, but, um, I haven't read Kate's book in God a decade or more. Um, when it first came out, so about a decade, but, he was in love with Kate, but Kate chose somebody else. She chose a werewolf. Uh-huh. And so he's basically got like a broken heart right now. Because the future he wanted, he was courting her and everything. And then she was like semi-interested, but then like her book happened and she got a different partner. And then he was left out without a partner. He was left without, you know, uh, a friend circle because the girls were part of his friend circle for the mm-hmm. most part, right? And then Kate ran into him and was like, hey, I, I need you to go do this. And that, of course, led to his his problem with, yeah. you know, being dead. So. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh-huh. So, like, but he did it because he's that, he's that guy. Yeah. He's that guy. You Does he at least hey. get to be with somebody in the end? Because, mm-hmm. okay, good. Yeah. I felt bad he for him. He gets somebody at the end. Yeah, I mean, he... He doesn't. He's just like his book is a little bit longer because he's got to grieve. Mm. Like that was a whole. Like he's lost two futures in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Like within less than a month, he's lost both his futures. Yeah. So so there's a lot of like PTSD from that, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a lot of trauma. Sounds that comes so from... angsty. I might have to read that one. Um. Well, his story is like throughout, oh. but like I actually haven't read his book because it came out like years after I'd mm-hmm. read these books. But like there was like a. There was a large jump between some of these mm-hmm. books, like two, or one or two years between being printed or even like talked about, mm-hmm. and then there's no more coming out. But there was supposed to be one coming out, and I'd like to have it. Um, but it, it's like he has to go through a lot of things to kind of find his way, mm-hmm. which is what I mean. Like that's what you know James had to do, and that's what Matthew has to do, and yeah. you kind of have to move on from your past. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of what the vampires represent a little bit in this book as well. Moving on from the past. You, you can't let the past keep you behind. I thought it was interesting that her love gave him back his literal life. <laughs> yeah. I liked that. I've never seen, like, vampires become not vampires before. Except, like, Lestat and the Body Snatcher. But that was a whole other thing. Right. <laughs> he wasn't that. in his own body anymore, so... That's something different, but and that's that's one thing I liked about them too is is because it's love can revive you, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that getting to the love is not going to have a lot of problems and and conflict along the way to get there. Right. So was it the ring that actually broke the spell, or was it it was her, her love? It was her, yeah, her love. But yeah. the ring brought her there. Mm-hmm. And like, and the ring was one of the ones that. You know, Matthew had because he had the uh-huh. three, and he gave one to James, one to Sarah, and one to Patrick. And 
I I liked the way Patrick was eliminated. How Patty was a was his resolution as a character mm-hmm. too, because I could see where he wouldn't get that same. Mm-hmm. Because he was in such mourning for so long. Mm-hmm. I don't think he could have moved on. Yeah, no. You know, like, living through the plague and, and losing your wife that you had just married because you were trying to do the right thing and come back and help family. And it's a very twisted reality. Mm-hmm. But And it actually talks a little bit about the consent of it, too. Because, like, you have to consent to say, okay, but do people know what they're saying okay to? Right. Because when you're dead, you just, like, all you know is, like, I'm going to be dead and I don't want to be dead. And okay, <laughs> yes. Exactly. And you're like, but what does this mean? Right. Especially Truly. if you don't actually know what a vampire is. Right. Oh, and especially if you don't know what kind of um, society you'll be walking mm-hmm. into as well. Because, like, in the second, in the other book, um, in Ree's book, they talk a lot more about the society. Mm. Because Alec is involved, is newly involved in the society, and Matthew has been in the society for like 650 mm-hmm. years plus. So he's got a lot of background mm-hmm. in it, and so you can definitely see how it affects, and and you can definitely see how, um, in the case of like James, you can see how it would be very difficult to be dying because robbers wanted you dead because you had stuff they wanted, mm-hmm. and. And then just kind of be like, okay, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he was, you know, budding up with with Sarah. And then Sarah caught, like, you know, some some crazy Glenn Close feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, and then, of course, you know, she buddied up with, with Patty. And they kind of created their own world. Yeah. But I, I can definitely see how it would work. And... I could see why, like, I, I could see why Matthew's story kind of had to come full circle, mm-hmm. which you read about again in the next book, which is going to be talked about in the episode before this, but moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was just the way the recordings happened. Yeah. So, but I mean, like, you see more of it there, and there's a resolution to it, and then James and Blair also show up in, like, the epilogue in that one, too the very end mm. so and it's nice and then like in um so this one yeah this is the one where no um it's the next one it's in, i think the next one yeah it's the next one where alex has to meet up with benjamin because benjamin doesn't know he's a vampire mm. so it's there's a lot of conversation it's not alex's alex book but he's in and out because vampires have super speed yeah. so so he's he can, literally in and out <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he's back in Scotland in, like, you know, two hours from London. Yeah. So, that's that's how that's it rolls hilarious. when you go home. Yeah. And so, but it's nice because it kind of calls back, I think, a little bit to some of the more other vampire media out there, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So, that's kind of yeah. nice. All right. I have to take a break for just a second. I'll be right back. I'm going to keep recording. So okay. Hang on a second. Okay. It's okay. I decided to put while you were on a break. Holy buckets. Okay. All right. Got it. <laughs> I don't know. These are my husband's fancy ones. 
Well, his friends gave them to him for gaming, so I was like, oh, nice. Yeah. I can use them. <laughs> they're they're fancy. They're noise canceling and stuff like Ew. that. Nice. I know. I was like, nice. I like it. Uh-huh. Makes it easier to record. Like. Exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> I left my I, I, well, I left my podcast mic at home, and trying to buy one over here is very expensive. So. Mm. My like for a while there, I was recording episodes on my laptop Mac. Oh no. And that was it. Yeah, and it's like a Dell, HP, something like that. So it's one of those. So it's not the greatest mic, yeah. mic on the planet. Yikes. It's all right. Now you have this. It sounds great. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I'm very happy with this product. Yes. I get to use it. Because <laughs> I, well, cause like I record episodes. Like I record my Patreon episodes in the morning when he's at work often. Nice. So I just boot up his computer. And I leave it all on here because he's got to edit it. So it makes more sense to put it on his computer and stuff than to put it on mine and transfer it and do all that. So I boot it up and I just, I do my like, you know, half hour Patreon reviews and mm-hmm. stick them in. That's fun. <laughs> he's got three episodes he'll have to, he'll have to edit. I've got two by, I have to edit to right now and they're an hour and a half each. I'm just like, oh, so tired already. Yeah. <laughs> the good thing is, is he's gotten better about like, you know, cutting and editing mm-hmm. stuff because he's my editor because I just, I can't listen to myself at all. Yeah. I don't like the way my voice sounds, so I can't listen to I had myself. to get over that. I hate it, but I had to get over that because it's just <laughs> like after I had to start editing my own episodes and so I'm just like, well. I got to get used to it. And now it doesn't bother me after, after I did, after I listened to myself for a solid hour and a half or two, you know, like two, two, it took me like oh, yeah. two episodes to get over it. And then I was fine. It doesn't bother me now, but I got through eight and gave it to him. Mm-hmm. That's just how much I hate my voice. <laughs> I was like, you know what? If you want these things to come out fast, and he was like, I can do it. I was like, score. Nice. And he's been learning as he goes yeah. on how to do the editing for it. Yeah. Because we had never really used a lot of Audacity before that. Yeah. I switched to GarageBand. I like it. Because there's more so- shortcuts on the keyboards. So it goes a lot yeah. quicker. I liked GarageBand. I liked GarageBand. I miss it when I had my Mac. Yeah. That was that was one of the best things about Mac. Because I used to use it to make, like, back in the day when we'd put, like, fan videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And they didn't take them down at the random mm-hmm. drop of a hat. I used to make them on that. I used to do like the audio and check it out. And mm-hmm. I put it in iMovie and nice. Make a whole thing. I used to make fan videos because I got bored. I did. I did a. I did a. I did a um. Uh, thingy. I did a video from Coldplay's Paradise to Labyrinth. Mm. How do you do the – I've always wondered how you do the video. Like, how do you get the video clips to edit? Well, at the the time, I was downloading. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, you know, going to torrent. I was going to kick ass, but I haven't done that in a long, long time, so I don't have access Mm -hmm. to it. But, like, if you can rip it, you can take it and put it in iMovie, and then you can pick and choose and and put it in a separate file and stuff. I used to do that all the time. Because people make all these amazing smash cuts of the X-Files. I'm like, there's so much that I would want to smash cut on the X-Files. And just, yeah, you know. You have to rip them somehow. Yeah, I don't have that energy for that. (laughs) I just really don't. Out of all the things in my life that I could do with my energy, that is not one of them. (laughs) I, um, I made one with, um, 
I can't remember what song it was to, but I did one for Elizabeth Weir Mm -hmm. from Stargate Atlantis. And it was basically like her timeline of being like important and not important and then being floating in space. (laughs) Um, I can't remember the song I did it with, but I used to do stuff like that all the time. I started doing it because it was like back in the day, LiveJournal was real. Mm. And there used to be these things where you have like little like communities and you would do like fan art and you'd get like almost like housing system. Mm. But it's like from different things. So it's almost like the Harry Potter housing system, but differently. Mm-hmm. And one of them was called Whedonland. And in Whedonland, you could make like you could make like small little videos and put those in. And same thing with those. There was a Stargate land. And so I do those. And so I learned how to start doing it that. And then I just started getting bored one day and making my own from random stuff. I did one to the magical like Legend of the Leprechauns. Wow. That's a throwback. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But I liked that movie, and this was, like, in the, like, maybe mid-2000s, mm-hmm. like, early, you know, like, maybe, like, 2008, 2009. And so I was making those. I, I enjoyed that one. And I did it to uh, an Alison Krauss song. Mm. And then it's, like, you know, I would just take random things. I made a trailer with uh, Taylor from Stargate Atlantis, with, but I ripped the audio from a Wonder Woman, like, a short little Wonder Woman trailer and put her in the trailer. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was having fun with it. I was like, this is fun. I like this. Can we keep doing this? Yeah. And then YouTube decided to hate me. Yeah. And they won't let you upload them anymore. It happens. Because corporate. Stupid copyrights. Yeah, it is. I mean, at least we're not Lindsay Ellis. <sighs> what happened to her? Oh, do you remember the Omegaverse lawsuit that was going on a while back? So basically, someone was, like, trying to sue someone else because, like, she was also writing in the Omegaverse. The Alpha and Omega and all that, you know, Alpha, Beta, Omegaverse, Mm -hmm. where, like, yeah. Um, And so, but Lindsay Ellis was getting, like, a ton of cease and desist and, like, she was getting... DCMAs and she was threatening to get sued and all kinds of stuff because she wrote like a she had like a hour and a half video about what was the hell was going on in the lawsuit and the outcomes and what so yeah so so the so the author has a little bit of a she has a tiny bit of a issue with people talking about her bad actions well isn't that like fan fiction though she filed a complaint well no it's not because it's like it's not fan fiction because it's like the it's not um it's not, like, about any any particular, like, fandom or anything. It's literally just the idea of an alpha, beta, and omega and, and how they work. Because there's, like, a ton of them. I know that um, – I can't remember the one. Maybe it was – I can't remember the which podcast I was listening to earlier. But they were talking about an uh, alpha and omega male-male um, romance. So, like, it's, like, it just – it's basically just, like, alpha – like, it's, like, the male – Mm-hmm. Uh, like the wolf thing, the whole like wolf idea. It's basically that idea. Oh. And she was writing werewolf porn about it and stuff like that. And so she thought she owned it or whatever. She tried to copyright it, do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like it's it's literally like what happened with um, cocky gate. Oh my gosh. It's basically like a cocky. Yeah. And I do like, you know about cocky the... gate? <laughs> right. So it's it's a lot like that. Oh, it's brother. a lot like cocky gate. I got it now. Um, but more bash. How many times can we say <laughs> cocky gate? <laughs> as many as we want because I get no monetization from this video <laughs> um, but and then like it gets more crazy because like the author 
filed an RWA like complaint mm-hmm. against Courtney Milan because Courtney Milan was talking about the I do remember that about the lawsuit. Yeah, yeah, but no, but this was a different one. This was another person doing a complaint against her. Oh, like this brother. is the writer. Yeah, about this one lawsuit. This one lawsuit about this one Omega verse. <laughs> too much trouble. <laughs> yeah. It's like, because I, I, if, if you get a chance, and you ha- but you don't really have that many hours, but if you just rip it and talk about it, it's very interesting. If my books were successful enough for people to want to write fan fiction about them, do you know how excited I would be? So right? excited. You'd be like, oh my god, I made it. I made it. Right? I made it. Made it made I'd be it. like, ew. I think about, what are my characters getting I think up about... to now? Hmm. Let's go find out. <laughs> well, and think about how many like fan fiction authors are authors now. Mm-hmm. Like hello me like X Files fanfic. Yeah. That's how I got my start. Well, and like when like you've got um like uh, Naomi Novik, Cassandra Clare, those who I know for a fact because I used to read Naomi's work when she was in Stargate. She used to write Stargate fanfiction. Um, she's actually really popular with it too. And then I know there's a, like a whole lot more, not just the E.L. James mm-hmm. type, but like actual. You know, like, and there's, like, so many, and I'm just, like, you can't own a concept. These are not your characters. Yeah. This is not an Anne Rice type thing. You're not using the characters. Yeah. So just simmer down. Well, I mean, it's the same with vampires, too. Like, you can only come up with so many different vampire constructs and rules for your worlds before you start repeating stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? So, like. Exactly. That's why I liked, you know, James and this. I was like, oh, that's a little bit different. I like that. That's cool. It's a cool idea. Exactly. He's He's got his little bit of standout. Yeah. You know? And it's like, and that's actually what I liked about Matthew, too, a little bit, too, because he was like a knight from, like, the Third Crusade. Yeah. So, like, you don't really hear about vampires from the Third Crusade. Yeah. I mean, that's what I did with... a bit long. Yeah, well, my character Demetrius originally started off as a vampire. It was going to be him as a vampire and Sydney as had, like, this lichen blood or whatever. And there was gonna, that was going to be, like, the main thing. And then I was like, well, i got to do something different. And so that's how he became King Arthur, and he's 2,000 years old. <laughs> he's still, va- I see, mean, he's still immortal, but... You know, I mean, he makes the point that he's not immortal. He's very hard to kill, but, you know, same thing. Close enough. It's the same with vampires. They're not immortal. They're just very hard to kill. Exactly. Anything's going to die if you chop their head off. It's just... Exactly. It's just how it is. (laughs) Can't... Well, and I also like, like, in this book, the the characters are... uh, What's the word I want to say? They're... They know they're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like, the vampires know they're vulnerable. And they know their vulnerabilities, and they can use them against or for. Yeah. And and I think that more books should do that with the vampires. Yeah. Well, it adds tension. Not everybody and... has to be Spike. Exactly. <laughs> or, you know, Draco or Jace or whoever that particular character is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I may have thrown a little shade there. Sorry, guys. It's fine. <laughs> Anyone who knows the story knows exactly what I mean. <laughs> but yeah, so I appreciated that. I mean, it's fun when you read, when you have paranormal books to like, that's, the world building is the fun part. 
you know, you get to like come up with your own rules and as long as it works within your books, it's fine. You know, as long as you like stay consistent within your own world and your own set of rules, do what you want. I started a story a long time ago that was a werewolf in space. That can be fun. Yeah. Especially when like she's her goddess's chosen champion. Hmm. There's a little bit of mysticism in with the sci-fi. Yeah. That sounds fun. And a whole and there's like a whole like Eric um there's a whole like royals lineage and stuff like that too. I had a fun idea for a new story the other day. I gotta write it out and see if it goes anywhere. It's a problem with pantsing. Hmm. That's why I never finished anything because I had pants and I'm like, oh right. Yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna I'm do? Give up on pantsing. Sometimes you get it out. Of, like I have so many first chapters that I just got out of my system, and I'm like, yes, I don't know what to do with this. It's a great idea, but I don't know what to do with it. That's why I like my series is like I know what to do with it. <laughs> I know where it's going. I know where it's been. I've got at least five more books planned out. So I'm good for a while on that. And you have a little bit more control over it since you're publishing mm -hmm. it. It doesn't have to be what the market yeah. is dictating at that time. Exactly. I can take my time with it and do it how I want to do it. I can write the book that I want to read, so that's what I'm doing. I'm sure, I don't know that Devil Koalas would have sold, <laughs> but people <laughs> like it, so whatever. That's fine. Well, I keep making you mention it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just so different and strange and unusual. I'm glad. That's what I was going for. <laughs> like... I mean, who would who would think Devil Claw? Like that's that's the reason that I chose to do this particular story because it it's just something different, you know. And the title of that story: Darkness Loves Company. There you go, Sarah Blair. I wanted to make sure. Yeah. So that's the prequel, <laughs> and then I've got Darkness Shifting, which is the uh, the first book, the technical first book of the series. I tried to pull a C.S. Lewis. <laughs> Not on purpose. Darkness Loves Company was an accident. It was only supposed to be 20,000 words, and it came out to 72. It's fine. You're like, that's a whole... Apparently, just Mitch just really wanted to tell his story. And here we are. And by golly, you heard it. Yep. He deserved it. He deserved to have his tale told. So, had to give it to him. Okay. But what's it about? Well, besides double uh, darkness loves company is um, Mitchell Harris is a retired FBI agent um, who bears a striking resemblance to Walter Skinner on the X Files, <laughs> played by Mitch Pledgey, which is where I got his name. Who's hot? So I don't thank you. you, thank you. He was very hot as Caldwell on Stargate. Oh. I'm just saying. Anyways, <laughs> so I named him Mitch. Mitch Harris, after uh, Ed Harris, was also my inspiration. Ed Harris. Um, so, yeah. And he is the head of this paranormal detective agency. And um, he has a sudden loss in his life. And he contemplates retiring. But he's got 
one case from his FBI days that was never solved, which is the story of um, Sidney Lake's parents. And, <clears throat> sorry. So it's the story of Sidney Lake's parents who were murdered and nobody knows. They never found out who did it. They were brutally torn to pieces in their bedroom one night. And Sydney is convinced that it was a werewolf, but nobody believes her. And except for Mitch, because, you know, he heads up this, now he heads up this paranormal agency. So he hires her to come and be an assistant, like an office manager assistant, because he feels kind of responsible for her because he never found what happened to her parents. And they are working together, but she wants to be a full agent. So it's the story of her first case and him trying to come to terms with the fact that he still hasn't found out what happened to her parents and trying to juggle her becoming an agent because he doesn't want her to get hurt because he feels responsible for her and, you know, sexy times ensue. (laughs) Spoiler alert, there's a lot of sex. <laughs> which my which my, my, my readers will probably yes. like. And then Darkness Shifting is um about it's it's three years later. So it takes place three years later after she's already been an agent for a while and she's a little bit more comfortable in her role and Mitch is still trying to like keep her reined in and keep her safe, but she just doesn't want to listen to him. She does her own thing. And then... Um, Independent women in urban fantasy? No. I know, right? And so, Never. yeah. <laughs> and so, she... Uh, there's an attack one night. She gets attacked by shifters and she's bitten. And so, the fallout from that is she discovers a lot of things about her past and she didn't know before and about who she really is and you know, I don't want to give too much away. I don't want to spoil it, but it's no, fun. Don't spoil it, but like I, I want you to talk about it because you had the release party the other day, and I got to go. Yeah, you couldn't hear me, but I got to go. Yeah, it was fun. And it was like, it, but it was fun because like you got, I got to hear more about your writer life because like I didn't know you as a writer. I knew you in another realm. Yeah. And then we got on Instagram and Twitter and stuff, but like you know. It was very interesting to, to hear your process and, and what you do. And it actually made me realize I wish more authors would have, like, digital release party type things. Like, you know, like, have, have a tech party, basically. Like, because it, it's very interesting to see where the desire comes from and where the – how your how a writer's brain works. Because every writer has a different process. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see how the process works yeah. and, and what comes out from it. Because, like, you had me at Double Koala. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you said Double Koala. Yeah. And, I mean, like, a then, lot of people, you know, they're reluctant about the Mitch and Sydney dynamic. But then after they read it, they're like, oh, my gosh, this works. Like, it shouldn't work, but it does. And I'm really glad that I was able to pull that off in a successful way and not be creepy about it. Well, and but what also works is the fact that, like, with Sydney, her name has got significance mm-hmm. right yeah because of of where where we're from there's actually like a 
there is some kind of value to that too, unintentional or not, because I know you said it was somewhat unintentional along the way. But like it, it really works, I think, having having that kind of connection both to the enjoyment of media side and also having a little bit of who you are in there because of where you're from. Like there's a little bit of your identity in that with the name too. Yeah. Because of, of how you chose it and, and what works and where you're from. Yeah. So it's kind of like an, a nice way of inserting yourself without inserting yourself to the story at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and it, it's the right kind of self-insert. Well, thanks. And it was, it's really hard for me to not just like put all of the X-Files stuff in there because like, I'm such a fan and you know, like, but I try to like throw in my favorite references to stuff because I love reading that kind of thing. And I kind of hope that maybe if I love reading it, other people will too. So I might've been a little bit heavy handed on the, the X-Files references and darkness less company, but all my X-Files friends who have read are like, I know that I recognize that. And they're like, Hey, Easter egg. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> makes me happy that people pick up on that kind of thing. Cause that's the kind of thing I enjoy when I read. I'm like, Oh, you know, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Right. Like, because, well, because it's like, even when you read like, like purely romance, well, not purely romance, but like more romance versus like something with romantic elements, um, you it's very similar to that it's almost like a fandom and it's very easy sometimes to find the things that are calling out to other books or other people in mm -hmm. that like you, you don't necessarily have to know everything but some of the things really stand out and sometimes they're just straight up call out yeah yeah so, but like it, it's nice to have that sense of community when you're reading something and when you're writing something and when you have that i mean that's why i used to write fan fiction all the time right I stopped after I stopped after a while, but like I wrote fan fiction and I wrote a lot of crack fic uh -huh. because it was just completely bonkers and I wanted it to be bonkers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wrote a wizarding school. Yeah, with Harry Potter minus Harry Potter and Hermione. Yeah, and they were all basically in daycare. <laughs> I mean, but like you know, you grow up in our generation, and it's like we grew up on Buffy, and we grew up on Scully, and they were huge influences on us. Mm -hmm. And so, like, how can you ignore that when you're doing a paranormal book in modern times? Like, I mean, I get it, like, not doing it in Regency because they didn't exist. But, like, right now, it's like, yes, if you're into the paranormal and you're pursuing paranormal investigation as, like, a career then you're going to be into Buffy and you're going to love X-Files because that's going to have influenced you growing up, you know? So, like, how can you ignore yeah. that? How can you not have references to that? And it's, well, it's like, it's the same thing when with, like, um, swords and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Like, when you think of swords, you think of either Xena or Wonder Woman or, like, you know, for women that have swords. Like, th those are the ones you think about because you, you grew up with them. Like, um... Wonder Woman, maybe not in, in visual, but, like, not in, like, watching visual, but, like, in, you know, comic books and in, like, me like the, there was always a media reference about it mm -hmm. somewhere. So you knew who she was, even if you didn't. And then, you know, with Xena, Xena was on our air every, every week, like, kicking ass with a sword. Yes. So, like, so why wouldn't you, like, if you're reading fantasy and you're a woman of our generation, like, why, why wouldn't you have that notice that? Too? Yeah, exactly. Right? So I, I, I think it's important to, to, to Easter egg what influenced you without it being 
without it taking away from the story, yeah. but also telling your readers a little bit about where you were based on what they right, know. Right, exactly. And that's kind of like where my character Williams comes in. He's sort of like my, he's basically me. <laughs> so he's the one that's like, he's like my pop culture guy. So he's like always referencing something or other, you know, just dropping, dropping a reference like, all right, Xena warrior princess, let's get on with it, you know? <laughs> so Exactly. Because it works. Because that's it's like guessing. what you would do. Like, I do that all the time. Like, all right, Mulder. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I the same way. Mm-hmm. I do it to my husband all the time. I reference, like, different things because he enjoys... We enjoy vastly, vastly different things yeah. for the most part. But I, I've watched enough of his stuff since I've been here on YouTube. And so I can get some of the references and I'm like, okay, this, okay, mm-hmm. that. You know, like, I can I can follow along. Yeah. Because, like, his his views are not the same as mine for the most part, but we do have something shared in common. Right. So... It makes it much easier for us. Yeah, it's fun. It's, it's like a little coded language for between you and, and who who's really paying attention, who knows. Exactly. Yeah, and that's important to me as an author because that's, you know, like I said before, that's what I look for is, you know, especially because I'm so into the paranormal and everything. I'm like, all right, that's why this is important to me and I appreciate having that little nod. It makes me feel like, the author cares about me and I want to do that for my readers and it's also good because it gives a little bit of a source Mm -hmm. too like like you know that the author knows what they're talking about when they're writing this particular trope or this particular genre or whatever like it it gives you the the knowledge ahead of time what's going on yeah you don't always get that Mm -hmm. like you can definitely tell when someone's writing in a genre that they don't know anything about like it stands out like a sore thumb yeah definitely that's why, like, oh, God, about a couple months ago, um, one, I don't remember the website, but there was, like, one website had a thing about, like, the four pillars of romance, and it was, like, stupid. <laughs> like, it was just, it was, like, it was, like, they were basing it on pride and prejudice for romance, mm-hmm. on how to write a romance, which, I mean, like, okay, I'm going to be completely against, like, Half of, of, of who my readers are probably going to stare at me in abject horror, but I don't like Jane Austen. Um, I, I've never found her very intriguing for me as a writer because she's just so layered that I'm just like, say what you want to say and say it. Like, don't don't keep couching things over and over and over. Just say it. Like, so we can move on with the plot. <laughs> um, and I, I, don't like, I don't like the women that she writes with, generally speaking, either. And so, you know... I was reading that and I was like, everything you described is nothing like what a modern romance is. Mm -hmm. If you want to write a modern romance, you can do that. But what you're talking about is literary romance and you need to freaking denote that, that there's two different kinds of romances. There's lots of different kinds of romances. (laughs) But like... But, like, in, in when you say romance, it's either, mm-hmm. like, usually there's, like, literary or right, modern, right. like, which is usually, like, it's a pulp, you know, paperback yeah. type, mass paperback ones that people think about. But, like, you know, they don't – it's not nice when someone steps into your playground and doesn't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So it's nice when someone's – when someone acknowledges that they've been in the – they've been in that sandbox. They know what it is. Mm-hmm. They're willing to understand the content. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because – like, if you just base it on freaking Pride and Prejudice, can we have a conversation? Because I don't want to read your book. 
because <laughs> there was a whole thing going around there was a whole thing going around the other day about the lady that was like well you know because the someone posted a thing about like you know these are the best like like rom-coms i'm like my best friend's wedding is not a rom-com it's a comedy but it's not a rom-com yeah because these people don't end up together right <laughs> like that's like that's like standard rom-com yeah. like from like 1945 like that's just in the yeah that's DNA. And so it just, it's, you know, you watch these things on like broadcast news, which is that one with like um, Holly Hunter, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you see all these, these things and you're just like, don't step into the sandbox if you don't know. Mm-hmm. And don't, don't rely and don't get mad when other people are calling you out on it. Right. Which is why like when authors put those little Easter eggs and those little, those little references in, it's reassuring as a reader. Mm-hmm. And that reassurance is kind of what helps create a strong, a strong um, bond between author and reader, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It, it makes you believe in them mm-hmm. more. Well, that makes me feel really happy to hear because I try really hard for that kind of thing. And so, you know, that's important to me as a reader. So it's important to me as an author, too. That makes sense. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're just so fun to write. I really love these characters so much. Like... Sydney, you know, that's one of the things in the the Lydia Dare book that bothered me. She's like, Battleborn witches do not cry. And I'm like, why not? Why aren't they allowed? Like, right. they should cry. Like, shit happens. You should be able to cry about it. And that was, you know, a, one one person. Like, everybody has loved it so far. But, you know, one person's like, she shouldn't cry so much if this is an urban fantasy. I'm like, why not? If people right. you love die, you need to cry about it if you want to. You know? That's, right. You don't have to be strong when bad things happen. Vulnerability is strength in itself. You know? Exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Because like, if someone is not vulnerable in their moment, if they're afraid of being vulnerable, how am I going to trust mm-hmm. them to... How am I going to trust the, the character to understand the emotional register going around? I'm not saying they have to cry. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying they need to at least show some kind of vulnerability, whether it's, you know, a downturned mouth or an expression of concern or, you know, an acknowledgement of this sucks for somebody. Like, it's it's an awareness of the world around Mm -hmm. you. And that's part of the vulnerability is being aware of what's going on around you. Like we were talking about politics earlier. That's an awareness of the vulnerability around us. Like, it's not just us. It's society's vulnerability. And that's important to have that knowledge on hand. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I get it. Like, if you can't be vulnerable, how strong are you going to be? Because you have to know where your weak points are anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I liked um, Jen Blanco. Have you ever read Jennifer Eastup's, um, oh, what is it called? The, it's the Spider series, but I can't remember what they're called. Um, but she's basically, she's a, it's a urban fantasy and with romantic elements. And she's a, um assassin. Mm-hmm. And she uses powers. Like, she's got, like, the power to freeze and, and stuff like that. And so she's an assassin and uses those for her. That's fun. To get her coin and to, you know, go go do things. And it's got a, there's a, a strong world building. And it's set in a world that's, a, it reminds me a lot of Asheville meets, like, Chattanooga. Mm. Nice. <laughs> so it's that's an of, interesting so, combination, yeah, so you, but I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, it's got that combination, and so it, it really works, and, like, Esep is from there, and 
I'm hoping I can interview her maybe at the end of the month, put up at the beginning of the year, because she offered, um, because I, I've read a couple of her other series, and, um, but in her world, like, you're, you're aware, mm -hmm. like, you're, like, the, the women are always aware of their weak points, mm -hmm. and I think that's really important to be aware of where your, where your vulnerability lies, because if you don't know, how do you protect yourself if someone's going after it? Yeah, exactly. Same thing we teach our kids every day, mm -hmm. right? Like, okay, you cried. Why did you cry? Yeah. <laughs> okay, now you know, so you can do something yeah. else. Like, you can you can counter it some other yeah. way. And I think Sydney, you know, is pretty self-aware, but also, you know, because, like, because of her parents and the trauma that she suffered from, you know, being orphaned so early. She was her parents were killed when she was 12. And then she started talking about this werewolf and eyes and like glowing eyes and all this stuff. And her grandfather is very, um, he's like a billionaire or whatever, but image is very important to him. So he sent her to like all these therapists and they basically told her, they're like, okay, this is just a coping mechanism. It's not real. So like she was taught by like all these therapists, like some good things that like help you, but at the same time, she had all these experts saying, well, what's in your head is not real. And so, like, that really messed her up a lot. And so she's, like, trying to, like, unravel all of that. And then when she found out, like, hey, the paranormal world is actually a thing, like, that really opened up a lot for her and and helped her, like, start to begin to heal from all of that. And then, you know, so, like, that was important to me to include. And so she because she had that experience and because she was with all these therapists and like all that stuff, she's like, thinks about that kind of thing a lot. And, you know, you get to be inside her head and she's trying to figure all this stuff out, which I think is really fun. Her, her moment of weakness has become a strength. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because now she can, because now she knows what she can look for and not look for. And she can, and it allows her to read other people in other situations because she can read the emotions on the face because she's probably gone through the emotion from the trauma as right. well. Exactly. And, and she's able to recognize it and not necessarily get thrown back into the situation, mm -hmm. but she can still recognize what's going on that maybe someone else who hasn't been through it and hasn't been um, gaslit a bit yeah. understand what's really... And Mitch has done a lot of that for her too. Like he's helped her through a lot, you know, from his own experience. And so like they have that to work with which was really a lot of fun to write because you know like normally like when you have like a may december relationship or whatever it's like the guy is always you know you run that risk of him being like too mansplainy or too this or that but i yeah. feel like i was i tried to be really careful to help him be supportive but not overbearing so i think i did okay with it but that's up for the reader to decide, I guess. <laughs> I was very cognizant of it when I was writing. That me, you know. So no, that actually makes sense because I've read some like I typically don't read May, December May romances, you know, um, because many reasons. But I mean, one of them is is in romance. Like oftentimes that can get it can be shortcutted without the emotional work to get mm -hmm. there. Because, I mean, if you're literally, like, a generation or more older, you're going to have a completely different experience. And you're not going to know the, the references necessary that, that the other person will know because it's a different culture mm -hmm. every generation. Mm -hmm. it, it kind of, you know, like, 
say like Alex P. Keaton, if he were in a relationship, he wouldn't necessarily know would say like, you know, Cordelia Chase would know. Mm-hmm. Because they're they're both they're both fairly merely fairly materialistic, but they're completely different parts of that of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Because he's in like you know high like you know Reagan Reagan times, and she's you know like late Clinton early George W. Bush type mm-hmm. era times. So they're gonna have a completely different view of of what how you are rich and how you respond and what you do, and how you present yourself. Right. And I think a lot of them a, a lot of novels don't necessarily do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope I was able to do that. We'll see. <laughs> it depends on how you read it, I guess. But I tried. I tried. But which is important. Yeah. And and I picked up Darkness Shifting when it was free the other day. By yay. the way. <laughs> Leave a review. My, no. <laughs> when I finally get to read something, I will. Reading reading in between doing the reviews is not always possible. Yeah. So I have like little short like. I get, like, the little freebie 40-page ones and stick them on Instagram yeah. now because I'm just, like... I'm curious. Which one are you going to read first? I'm curious. Are you going to read Darkness Shifting first or are you going to read Darkness Lost Coming? Because I wrote them in a way that they could work either way. But I haven't had a lot of feedback yet on people who've read the first one first because most people I know have already read Darkness Shifting and then they're reading the second. Yeah. So I'm really interested I'll... to find out what you think. Well... Because it's a because it's like a, a prequel, I'll probably read Love's Company first, and then I'll read Shifting mm-hmm. because I think I'll understand the world a little bit mm-hmm. better. Like I'll, I'll her, let me for that. I'll in, I'll understand her internal world a mm-hmm. little bit better. I think, which is huge for me. I like to read things in order when I can. Mm-hmm. When I can, mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of expensive things, and I don't have a Kindle Unlimited account, so yeah. I have to <laughs> like. Be very picky and choosy. Yeah. <laughs> so sometimes I read things really out of order. That's fair. That's how I got through Shelley Lornston's entire like backlog. Yeah. Mostly, it's oh, this is cheap. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can buy it. It's ninety nine cents. Two ninety nine. It's like because like if you look at them online, sometimes the ebooks are like eight ninety nine yes. or more. And I'm like, it's an ebook. I love Lornston, but it's an ebook. Yeah. I'm not holding this in my hands. It's the price of a regular sized yeah. book. Well, that's that's a hard thing for me because on the one hand, it you know I want to price my eBooks at a price that is, you know, like because you I, I say like a a good paperback book if you buy it brand new is like seven ninety nine. Mm-hmm. So if and I feel like an eBook should be less than that, but I want to price it at a point that's worth my time and energy, which is hard. Yeah, which is you know? totally valid. So I, I picked three ninety nine because I feel like, you know, 70,000 words, that's a good solid chunk that you're getting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it took me nine years to do Darkness Shifting. It took me three years to do Darkness Loves Company. Um, and I feel like three ninety nine is less than a Starbucks. <laughs> You can go to Starbucks and pay five twenty five for a grande pumpkin spice latte. You can pay three ninety nine for my seventy thousand word book. You know, yeah. So, and yeah, valid price. Yeah, and then you know, like I can do sales or discounts or whatever, and but yeah. So I don't know. And then for the paperback, 
you know, $15.99 is pretty much the only price. I can't go anything less than that because I don't get any money. Like, I, I would get more than for an ebook than I would on royalties. But. Which, I mean, it makes sense because you're self-publishing, right? Yeah. But, like, people that have huge... Oh, yeah. That have huge... Like, Traditionally published they're the books, four, there's no reason for it yeah. at all. And and that's exactly it because, like, Lawrence's, like, traditionally published and her books are still, like, you know, like... I've seen some that were, like, eleven ninety nine on an ebook, and I'm like, Bum. No. What bugs me is when the paperback is less than the ebook. I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, I know what it takes to format both, and you can do both at the same time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take any more work. You click a button, and, and it generates the copy for both. <laughs> like, it's not more work. It's <laughs> the same amount of work. Why would it be more yeah. or less? Like, unless... I mean, I get that, like, sometimes publishers want to push the paperbacks, so they'll make them last, but. Well, and I know that, like, some, I will say that some authors I buy, I wait, because I mm-hmm. know that, like, three or four weeks after they release, they're going to be, like, three bucks off the Oh, book. yeah. Or be on sale. It's like, or... but how does that help you as a company? Because, like, you only, like, if you had put it in that middle between first and second, mm-hmm. you would have sold them from the beginning. Yeah. Instead of waiting a, a month and saying, oh, well, you know, you didn't sell in the first month. Well, of course not. You had overpriced the ebook. Yeah. Like, if you overprice the ebook and then you undercut yourself a month later, why would I not wait? Yeah. Like, not because I'm thrifty, but because, like, a lot of people don't have huge book mm-hmm. budgets anymore. Like, this is not, you know, 2006 yeah. when ebook budgets were much higher because the economy hadn't tanked to the, to mm-hmm. the point of absurdity yet. And people are still recovering from that now. And then with the pandemic going on, there's even less people with money. Yeah. So, like, everybody why, why likes free stuff. I gave away so many copies of Darkness Shifting, which I'm really excited about. Like, I want people to read it. So, I'm really excited. And I hope they don't just sit on the Kindle forever. But that hurt a lot. I was like, why can't you just buy it like this when it costs money? <laughs> I will say that, like, I get arcs. Yeah. But, and I'll read the arcs, because I usually get them through NetGalley, but I mean, like, I've had authors offer me arcs, mm-hmm. and um, other copies and free copies, because at the time, I didn't have the money, and I always, like, if nothing else, at least thank them for yeah. that, like, at least say, hey, you know, like, I, I was really lucky, like, I, you know, I was given the opportunity to read this book, and da 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 because I've done that with a couple of, um, since I've reviewed Erica Ridley once before, I'm on her list, so I can review I'm automatically on her list to review all her nice. books, which is good because I like her work. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I really appreciate her characters and the fact she does all these Christmas ones, which works for me for the holidays and stuff like that. But, like, I sometimes, you know, I always feel sometimes a little bit bad when I have to get the arcs because I'm like, okay, but this is taking money out of the author's hands. But I also really want to promote the book. Yeah. So well, arcs, I think, are like different day-day. because, you know – that helps us in the long run because we are able to like generate interest in the book ahead of time so that people are excited about it. So like, I'm not, I'm fine with arcs. Like that doesn't bother me at all. It's that, you know, people snatch up the free book like really fast and like, you know, it's just like, Hey, I put a lot of work into this. Like at least leave a review, please. Like, (laughs) 
at the very least. Right. Like, please read. Like, I just want people to read it. And I feel like if they read Darkness Shifting and they got it for free, hopefully they'll love it enough to read Darkness Loves Company and then enough to pay for it, you know? But it's just different. Or at least, like, pass it on yeah. to, like, let other people read it and let them become fans. Yeah. And then you can... Word of mouth is exactly. huge. Like, that's where I get most of my wrecks. Yeah. Like, um, next month I'm reading Single Player by... Elia Winter um, with one of my patrons and D and we're going to read it and we wanted to read it because she wanted a book with animals yeah like you know and so but like I, I found it because of that like fall uh, fall book bingo mm-hmm. thing that's going around where people feel in the, the, and I found it through that so and it was a it was recommended by people that I trusted to yeah <laughs> I trusted their word of mouth and so like like that's that's one thing you can do is if you're giving a free copy, then you can at least like say, Hey, read this. Check yeah, absolutely. You should read the rest. I mean, like, like, you know, she's got more coming out, like, yeah. Time it. So everyone can get a little bit of it. And that's the thing. Like, I, I'm not in this for the money at all. Like, I'm not, like an independent author or like even a regular author. Like you don't do it for the money. It's not Mm-mm. a lucrative business by any means, but I do it because I love people to read my books like I just want people to read it and enjoy the characters as much as I do like I love these characters so much they're so much fun to spend time with and I hope that it seems like people who have read it have really enjoyed spending time with them so you know to quote the Care Bears sharing is exactly <laughs> like if, if if I've written a book that people are excited to talk about I feel like I've been that's my success yeah. so I, I totally get yeah. that. That that actually makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. I mean, it's the same reason that, like, we review. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Like, you you like it when people respond. Hopefully positive. Yeah. But you like it when they respond because you want people to, to see your point of view on that, too. It's like it's another way of seeing another point of view yeah. of the same thing. Yeah. Like, you've got the author's point of view, and then you've got, like, a reviewer's point of view, and it's nice to have that little... But even if it's negative, like I, if somebody reads my book and they're like, this is the worst book ever. I hated it. I'm so mad at you. You suck. <laughs> I'd be like, yes, I made you feel something. <laughs> you right. know, like the worst part, the worst part and the worst thing something somebody can tell me is like, well, I started your book, but I haven't finished it yet. I'm like, why not? <laughs> is it that bad? You don't want to finish it? Like either, either people like really love it and... Like, most of the people who read it, like, it's their jam. And I understand if you start something and it's not your jam. Like, that's fine. I get that. Because there's a lot of stuff that I try and I want to like, but it's just not my thing and I just can't finish it. And that's that's totally understandable. But, like, if somebody, like, picks it up. And that was the hardest thing for me to hear as when I was querying and trying to be traditionally published originally is like so many of the agents, they fall back on, I didn't connect with the character. That's like their fallback reason for not liking something. And I understand, you know, when you're an agent and you're looking for something that's really going to like sell big, like that's, that's what you want is to really connect. And, you know, I've read through slush piles. I get the connection thing, but like, that was really hard for me to hear. Cause I'm like, well, people like this, you know, and that's why I wanted to become an independent author. I was like, so many people who have read this can't put it down. Like, it deserves to be out there, you know? Right. 
and I didn't like that so many agents were just having to be so picky because, you know, my books are not, like, they're urban fantasy, but there's a lot of sex in them, and it's, like, really sexy, hot sex, and, (laughs) like, so much sex, and because that's what I like to read. I don't fade to black. I don't, you know, it's on the page, and it's also not paranormal romance because the romance is not the central plot so it doesn't totally fit into either category it could it could kind of go either way depending on how you see it but you know as an age as like when I was querying to agents they're like well I really like this and I like the characters but it just doesn't fit anywhere I can't sell it and I'm like well fuck you I'll go sell it myself you know (laughs) like And people love it. Like, Like, people want to read this book, and they do, and they love it. They can't put it down. And people say that, but it's like, yeah, but there's a lot of things that couldn't sell that are selling independently now because you guys have a very narrow view of what can sell as well. Because, like, think about about how many, like, even in the romance, like, think about how many independent people have blown Mm -hmm. up. Like, like, uh, Talia Hibbert alone. Mm -hmm. Like, she was independently, she was, like, publishing herself. She was indie publishing. And now she's got a contract with, like, a major publisher because people were invested in what she was yeah. writing, how she was writing it, the way it was being written. Yeah. And if if you look at something very narrowly, you're going to miss things along the way that you probably are going to kick yourself for because, like, even if you don't become, like, you know, somewhere on, you know, the Dresden guy. Like, say you're not going to become, like, on his level, mm-hmm. right? But you still have got a solid enough base that you can that you can make things but publishing has not moved on from a platform that was outdated when they started doing harlequins right right like they're they're still not moving on from that well laurel k yeah it's it's gonna cause a problem i mean yeah like laurel k yeah exactly like anita blake was not like she didn't fit in any group either but yeah she didn't take off either until like seven or eight books were out, you know? It took a while. So... I think it took a while for Charlene Harris, mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Because, like, Suki didn't take off for a while, because I picked up on it... I started reading her, like, sometime in the 2000s. Um, and then I know she really took off when they started making True Blood. Mm-hmm. That's when she kind of, like, really, you know, leveled up even higher. Yeah. And that's why, like, because of Suki, she's got her Aurora Tea Gardens and all those other things selling as well. Right. Like, there, there's a reason why. Yeah. Even though they're two different, two different genres, there's still that, that fan loyalty, and people will follow. Right. If if you if you do more than just a cursory glance, but actually look at what's being written and. And following the buzz and finding that, you know, people are interested, you're going to find more, mm-hmm. more to di- the more you diversify, yeah. the more money you're going to make. Absolutely. It's not the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, that's the hard part for, like, the publishing as an industry is that it, I feel like they're going about it backwards, <laughs> but that's mm-hmm. the difference because, like, as an independent, as, as an independent author... As an independent author, I can know my readers and connect with them and be like, okay, I'm able to write what I want to write 
because it's what I want to read. And I know my friends and I know my genre well enough to know like, hey, this is what I'm going to put in there because it's what everybody wants to read because I'm so much closer to my readers. But as, Mm -hmm. and I don't have to worry about the bottom line. Like I can write, I'm very, very extremely privileged that I can just write for fun right now. And I'm not, I'm not having to worry about, you know, eventually I do want a career out of this, but that's way down the line. It's going to take me a long time to build up to that. But as, like, in the traditional publishing industry, they're putting the money first. And they, in turn, because they're investing so much money in a book, they have to tell people, you're going to like this. Mm -hmm. Instead of the other way around. Instead of being like, hey, readers, what do you want to read? It's, hey, we have this book and we put a lot of money into it. And this is why you're going to like it. And then they hype Mm -hmm. it all up. And it's backwards. It is. Because, like, I remember I used to go to the writing track at uh, Dragon Con mm-hmm. all the time. Because uh, that was one of my favorite places to be. I was going to go see everybody else, but I really got stuck in that because it was really mm-hmm. interesting. Because, like, there was all the agents and, the uh, like, the authors. And, you know, there were the editors. And there were also, like, the publishers. And so there was a whole bunch of information coming in it. And I felt like maybe... I think that publishers would be better off going to their genres and seeing what people are asking about, mm-hmm. like doing a year long search and like, if nothing else, then at least say, okay, this is what people are in the mood mm-hmm. for. Like, cause everyone's like, Oh, these are over now. I was like, why is it over now? There's still like 15 books being published. Vampires. Hello. Yeah. Right. Or like the werewolves yeah. or, you know, like the medical doctors or so they forth. They never so, you know, went away. Like, People still read that shit, you know? And I mean shit as like complimentary like, shit. <laughs> like, yeah, you know. Like as, as a massive amount yes. of it. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I bought. Here, I'll show you. Like, I never stopped loving vampires just because publishing was like, hey, vampires aren't a thing anymore. I'm like, yes, they are. I like vampires. I want to read about them. Thank you very much. So, Jane and currents um she wrote under candlelight as jane castle mm-hmm. this is a book from like 1980 something i got it off of ebay because the name matters and who she is matters and and there's like so many like iris johansson and all these people that started out in romance that are sometimes now writing other things mm-hmm. but people are interested in them still for a reason mm-hmm. like people still talk about them for a reason like, there's reasons, like, you know, podcasts, like, uh, Faded Mates does it a lot. Shelf Love is almost now entirely dedicated to the, the genre and what, what works and what doesn't. So it's like, the publishers don't have the ability not to say, well, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. There's things that come out every week that tell you what you want mm-hmm. to know about the genre that your readers are, that your readers are asking for. Yeah. You can't say that anymore. There are surveys almost every week if you want to call them that yeah. they tell you what they want i mean the and these are like big deal podcasts like they have a lot of power behind them and not necessarily because of like the publishing but the people that are interested in it are doing their work yeah you know and then you've got like you've got all these podcasts that tell you what your genre is doing so just tune into your podcast right genre every once in a while and you will learn what you need to know yeah. and you don't have to put any money towards it like, you know, an executive can be on his or her, like, treadmill and listening at 1.5 or 2 speed and catch up in a matter of moments. Mm-hmm. 
and just keep doing that and just keep a pulse on what's going on. And I think that, that there's a, a lot of the traditional method doesn't work anymore because the world has moved on. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like, it was just like, everyone talks about like, um, Charles Dickens and what he was writing and stuff. Like, yeah, we read it now, but when he wrote it, it was pulp. Mm-hmm. It was literally, it had no, it was not the same value that we have now. Mm-hmm. It became that after time, but he was writing per word. Like he was doing his, like the genre wasn't then, but the, but the newspapers were like, but wait a minute, people are buying it for this, even if we think it's crap. Yeah. So he can keep his, he can keep his column and keep his money going if people are going to keep buying our paper for mm-hmm. it. And this is, I mean, to me, that's kind of like, that's how I see the indie, the indie market as well. Like, the indie market is telling you what people want yeah. when you're not seeing yeah. it. And there's so many readers who are, are so prolific, and they just read book after book after book. There's space for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, just because mm-hmm. one person writes a vampire book doesn't mean nobody else gets to. Exactly. So, like, you know. <sighs> yeah. It's, it's very frustrating, I think, from, from a reader's standpoint as well as from a yeah. writer's standpoint. I'm not the, I'm not the latter, <laughs> but I am the yeah. former, so. But, I mean, like, I read a lot. Yeah. Like, I, I read a lot, but and I don't post reviews on half of them, but I see, I at least write, like, I try to do a good reads, but, like, I don't always review it because I'm, I'm a mood reader. Yeah. So, so, I like having options. So, like, I can be in the middle of reading a book and have to take a break. Yeah. Because my mood downshifts to something else or it goes higher or whatever. And I can go back to it and know what's going on still. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, it, there's a lot of readers that can give you feedback without you having to pay money for them. Exactly, They're doing it for you for free because, let me tell you, podcasting, you make no, no. money. Unless unless your name is, like, Dak Shepard, you are not <laughs> going to make any money doing yeah. this, right? Or, like, you know, McEl- Aaron Mankey. McElroy. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, un- unless you've got that huge money coming in, you're not going to make any yeah. money. I don't know how I chose so, I mean, two different things like this, podcasting and writing, but it's fine. <laughs> Just, like, I do what I love, and that's okay. <laughs> but it makes sense because you're podcasting – well, you're podcasting about X-Files. Yeah. And you're also writing like urban fantasy that has all those Easter eggs, so they kind of converge. Yeah. And they're, they're that's like... how I got to be on the X Cast in the first place. Is I wrote an email because I, you know, I'm obsessed with the X Files. Always have been, and it's just always been my thing. And so, like, I wrote an email. I found the X Cast. I was like, ooh, because I was listening to Camille Nanciani's podcast about the X Files. I was like, hey, this is really good. I wonder if there are any other X Files podcasts out there. And I found it was pretty much that and the X cast were the first two. And so I emailed the guy who was doing the X cast, Tony, and I was like, hey, I just had this book come out and I really love the X files. And there's like a bunch of X files references in it. And I think your, your listeners would like it. Can I like come on the show? (laughs) And I was just like, you know what? He's probably going to say no, but I have to at least ask. Because, you know, I'm still going to be in the same point I am if he says no. Like, the world's not going to swallow me up. And so I just took a chance. And he was like, you know what? Actually, you know, I I have been wanting to go over the X-Files books that were written to, like, go along with this show. And I was like, yeah, I've read them. I'm like, you know. And so we got to talking. He's like, yeah, come on the show. And 
from then, like four years later, I'm like the showrunner, not the showrunner, one of the showrunners. There's three of us now, but yeah. So it just turned and snowballed into like this whole thing. And it's been really fun. It's been a fun journey. So. And it, and it's nice to have like-minded people you can have conversations mm-hmm. with. Like you don't have to like do it all in your head yes. silently because the other people in your house are not quite as exactly they don't understand the, the value. Exactly. Because like my family doesn't understand why I podcast sometimes because they're like I, I don't get it. I'm like because I'm reading these things anyway and I want to talk about them and I want to communicate exactly. and I don't want to blog. Like I I had a blog at one time. I was called Hales Tales and. That was back when Tessa Deere told me, hey, you know, you, you don't have to keep reading the shit that sucks. I'm like, oh, I don't. Well, she didn't say it that way because Tessa Deere is much nicer. But, the, yeah. but basically that was at the, you know, and it was like, I was like, oh, I get this now. And like I met Sarah when she came in for RWA. And, you know, there's all these little things that I was enjoying. And I was like, because I thought about having a podcast for like about two years before I launched one. Mm-hmm. And I, I couldn't find a co-host. And I'm like, well, who wants to listen to me talk? And I'm like, well, fuck it. I can't find a co-host. So, yeah, I guess it's me. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, it's me now. <laughs> and so, you know, I was on the way. And it's been a struggle. And it's hard doing it by yourself. And it's literally a labor of love and time. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's why when I get my patrons, that's why I'm so happy to have them. Because I'm like, thank you, thank you, thank you for trusting me to enjoy what you're doing. Yeah. Like, thank you for, you know, like, that you enjoy the books and you enjoy listening to me. And that means the world to me because it means something is connected. Yeah. Well, I'm here to talk about books with you anytime. I'll do it anytime. As long as I don't have to edit the episode. No, no, no. That's why I have a husband. (laughs) I'll I'll go on I'll why, guest on anybody's podcast as long as I don't have to edit it. <laughs> like I have I enough trouble feeling. editing my own episodes. It's fine. Yeah, no. I um I love talking about books. Mm-hmm. I think books are just amazing. There's so many I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. I really enjoyed having Sarah on. And you can find Sarah at sarahlblair.com. And you can learn more about darkness shifting, demon koalas, because demon koala. Why wouldn't you want to have demon koalas around? You can also find her on Twitter under Sarah L. Blair. She's really active there, so I definitely recommend it. And you can also find her on Instagram under author, period, Sarah, with an H, never forget with the H, dot Blair. (laughs) And I hope I'll have her on again soon. I love you all. I, I truly do. If you listen, I adore it and I appreciate it. If you guys want to leave me a review, that would be awesome. It doesn't have to be on Apple. Like, there's tons of podcasters that to take it like I have an Android and it's been kind of hard to find something. The uh Lady Pod Squad recommended Pod Chaser and I really like it. I listen to it on my computer so I can listen and review right away and it definitely works for me. I'm not getting paid for that, guys. I just really like things that are very convenient. <laughs> I'm a big fan of convenience right now. If you want to contact me, you can me being Jessica, you can email me at damselspodcast at gmail.com 
quick, easy. If you have something you want to talk about, recommend, anything like that, that would be great. You can also find me on Instagram, Facebook, under Damsel's Podcast. You can also find there is a section on LinkedIn where I kind of discuss the like making the podcast versus you guys seeing the the front half of it all. And the Facebook page, I have a lot of interesting, you know, things I find through other author pages or I quote them or I quote other podcasts. I'm trying to be a little bit more engaged. I promise, guys. I know I slacked off for a while there, but Facebook was a whole thing. Not that great at it as I am Twitter. And finally, if you want to see any merch, <laughs> I totally have a link to that and I will post it. But more importantly, please, 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 I'm begging you, fill out the form that I have in the, the show notes and I will put them on my website as well. It's a reader survey and I want to know, guys, what you think and what you don't think. And I know I say guys and I also mean girls. I'm just from the 80s and everyone became a guy after a while. I really want to hear what you guys are listening to, what you want to see more of, what you would enjoy reading about. I have a whole bunch of stuff that I'm trying to get done. And I'm trying to plan for next year. <laughs> Again, as I mentioned in the intro, I'm going to be swamped Monday through Friday. So I'm trying to make sure that my Saturday and Sundays line up and you guys can get a lot more fun things. Side note, I'm going to get Netflix for at least November. So probably some some movie and TV things like Virgin River maybe I'll cover since my beloved Der Berg Doctor, a German soap opera <laughs> on ZDF, will not be back until 2021. I may not understand everything, but I am an American, and we created like an interesting soap dynamic, and they follow it. It's great. So I hope you guys have a really good Halloween. Please enjoy the day. Enjoy the beauty of it. Please go vote. I'm going to say that forever until, you know, I, I can't anymore because I think it's really important. But also, so many people don't have the ability to have a right to do it. I think it's our responsibility to, to do it as an American. People have died for it. They've, they've done a lot of very hard things to get there, and I think we should respect that. And then on November 3rd, if you're an American, drink like a fish. I fully plan to. My husband's birthday is the next day. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. Sven's birthday is November 4th. Since this will be the last podcast until probably later in November, maybe around the 10th, I want to say happy birthday, husband. Okay. <laughs> I really hope you guys have a nice time with whatever you're doing. If you don't celebrate Halloween, celebrate the day of community and love and being a little bit kooky, right? Like, why not? I will talk to you guys soon. We'll see what's going to come up. Go follow the Instagram. Seriously, many reviews. Lots of them are coming up soon. Bye, guys. Mm -hmm.